All right, I think we should get started. Rock and roll. Since we have an amazing special guest. We do. It's been a few weeks in the making, and I'm glad he, uh, he's been able to make it. Absolutely. How's it going, guys? Fantastic. How are you? Doing good, yeah. Nice to uh, finally make it. I know last time you asked me, it was super busy Christmas season and all that, so... Absolutely. I'm glad I have literally nothing going on, so I <laughs> do this. It's a good time. Charmer and I were just talking about how like late in the week we discovered that it was Martin Luther King Day and we had Monday off and it was like a little present. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I hope to get a bunch of content made. I say hope because there's also a good chance that I just don't put on pants and, and don't move, so. Yeah, that's my plan. Yep, I'm already ahead of you. I'm not wearing pants right now. <laughs> Dude, I'm never wearing pants. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> I have to wear pants until the kids go to sleep, gang. Like, you know. You could always just end up a client of mine. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, CVH is our big guest here this week. Um, why don't you tell everybody how you got uh, into gaming in general and into Legends? Sure, sure. It's kind of a softball question to warm things up. All right, <laughs> yeah. so... The, way back in the day, uh, tiny CVH, nine-year-old me, I think. Was I nine? I was nine. I was in like fourth or fifth grade. I think it was fourth grade even. And I was at the lunch table in elementary school. And I think a lot of people can relate to this story because all the cool kids were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Or whatever. Maybe if you guys are a little bit older, it's Magic. If you're a little bit younger, it's Pokemon. For me, it was Yu-Gi-Oh! Everyone was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And, you know, it was just the coolest thing ever. So I bothered one of my friends and he gave me a card. It was terrible and... Bothered my dad, and we went and got starter decks, and that was pretty much it. And then after that, my first real card game, I would say, um, we went to the local card shop right after I turned 11, I think, and Duel Masters had just come out by Wizards of the Coast. And, you know, that's that's pretty much how I met a couple of my longtime best friends. Well, Spencer I met through middle school. We both played Yu-Gi-Oh! a little bit, but I got him into Duel Masters, met Carl, Earth Power, and, like, the three of us became tight, started traveling to events, and that's pretty much Duel Masters that got me into gaming. And, you know, by, like, 11-year-old and a couple months, we were traveling to North Carolina for invitationals, and it was pretty sweet. You know, the whole family was getting involved. Cool. People in chat relate, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's neat. Now, I'm not really familiar with Duel Masters. What, uh, how's that game compared to other games you played? Okay, so Duel Masters, well, you guys might know I was into Kaijudo too. Kaijudo was Wizards' attempt at making that game, but not killing it off in the United States, because Duel Masters itself is still alive in, in, in uh, Japan and Asian countries, I think. But basically, it's sort of magic light. Everything functions like magic, except a card in your hand can be used as mana every turn. And uh, the rune and the shield system from Duel Masters, it's like, kind of ironic that like 15 years later or whatever, not that many years, bad at math, but like the, <laughs> the the card games I'm playing is like the same system. Yeah. Okay. Like the root, like because at the beginning of the game you put the top five cards of your deck face down as shields, and you have to attack the opponent, and you break a shield, and oh, if it has shield trigger, you get to play it for free. So pretty nice. much runes and prophecies. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've played Duel Masters. Um, back when Wizards did their release for that for the physical card game, I was still working at that local comic and gaming shop, and when I worked there, I was essentially. Um, in charge of all of the gaming section. Like, the owner essentially just knew comics, and he needed a guy to do games, and so that was me. Uh, and so I had to demo everything, I had to promote everything, and, that, and also I had to learn everything, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, that was one of the games I felt like was under the radar for quite a bit, and there was another game called Spoils 
that CVH reminded me of where that also had the mechanic you could take something from your hand to like turn it into a resource, right? Like that was their way of avoiding the mana screw problems of magic. Yeah, yeah, I heard about the spoils too. I heard some uh, that game kind of went under recently too, unfortunately, or something like that. Yeah, spoils was uh, almost like the first hand of the gods. They they came out and the first thing that anybody knew about them was they were throwing a ton of money at a competitive scene, but nobody had tried any of the gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that works, I think, even less well when it's a physical card game. Yeah, right. I mean, this was like I want to say like late '90s, early 2000s when that happened, so it was an interesting. Oh, time. wasn't there? Oh, I remember because like when when Kaijudo died off, there was a lot of uh, spoils people. I think one of the people I knew from Yu-Gi-Oh like helped with actually run the game at a certain point, and they were trying to poach a bunch of Kaijudo players. And I know like a bunch of other people like. I don't know if you guys know Steve Silverman from Yu-Gi-Oh. He was, like, furious because apparently he had qualified to play on this, like, cruise or something for the spoils. He's like, absolutely not. They owe me thousands of dollars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> something nuts. Yeah, they, they had some problems with the, the money management portion, and it, it threw a lot of people off. Um, mm -hmm. But it, mechanically, it actually ended up being better than I thought it would. Uh, it was certainly had some interesting things, but they, they were very much like, we're going to make this a competitive... You know, like, esports didn't exist, and even the Magic Pro Tour was kind of, like, in its infancy at the time, and they were like, we're going to do that, and they were not ready. Hmm. Exactly like Hand of the Gods. <laughs> yeah. They, they were hey, one they end were of the spectrum. Uh, and then Decipher was always the other end. Decipher always made card games that had amazing mechanics. Like, so yeah. fun to sit down and play, but Decipher sucked as a business. Right. <laughs> they could not make money... Uh, if you handed it to them. Yes, uh, their Star Trek game actually was with the, the game when I was younger that I actually owned some cards for. Like, I didn't have any friends who played cards, um, but I was a huge Star Trek fan, and I uh, I remember buying some at a baseball card store. Oh, because that, 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 like, there's only the one Star Trek game, right? And it has cards from like all the different series. No yeah. lie, about last year I found a couple binders full of those cards nice. at a local uh, antique store, and I bought them. And I was like $15, but there's a lot of them. Like cool. I've got, I'm stocked. If we ever want to learn how to play, it looks very complicated for no good reason. <laughs> no, I mean it is a good reason because that's what Decipher did. Decipher always made really cool, interesting, and complex card games that you could go a lot of different ways. Like their Star Wars mm -hmm. card game was like almost, almost like you said, unnecessary complex, but that was the reason it was so fun to play. Um, I loved their Lord of the Rings game. I played in the World Championships for that at Gen Con uh, the first oh, year awesome. that came out, and I used to be a playtester for it. Uh, cool. They they had one of the cooler mechanics where, uh, like, you played the good guys and bad guys, right? So, like, when you passed the turn to your opponent, like, they were the good guys and then you became the bad guys. And when you were the, like, the good guys turn, right, when you're the fellowship, every time you'd play a person or an item or anything like that, it added to what they called the Twilight Pool. <laughs> And then you would go to a phase where your opponent then got to, like, respond. And then when they would play minions to fight you, it removed from the Twilight Pool. And so there was this ebb and flow to the gameplay and, like, resource management. And so um, it was just one of the more unique games I've ever played. And I was so sad that Decipher sucked as a business and, uh, like, couldn't keep it going. Because their design team was great. I, I've, I'd never found a Decipher game I didn't enjoy playing. It's kind of shocking that such a huge intellectual property as Star Trek like has such shitty representation in gaming. Yeah, we need Will Wheaton to come out with something. I agree. That dude's hilarious. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I mean, it's shocking, but it's kind of not just because the real heart and essence of Star Trek versus something like Star Wars is that, you know, it's uh, it's philosophical, it's uh, space exploration and not like space conquering, right? It's real easy to design something around conflict and wars and combat, right? Um, That's true. That's a good point. But like to give something the true heart of Star Trek, I think, is a little bit more difficult from like a conceptual side. I, that might explain to the the complication level of the Star Trek card game, right? Because like as I remember it, it was about like going on missions and exploring planets and like like combat was like not didn't really seem to be a factor in that game at all. Yeah, it was sort of like a side thing that occasionally happened in the series, right? So, right. Yeah. But like, how how do I smork in that? I don't understand. Like, right. <laughs> what is my what is my aggro plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play Klingons, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Borg maybe. Borg would be uh, yeah. the fact the fact totems, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like yeah, like ramp fact totems. I don't know. They always seemed a little op. So maybe rage. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, Ferengi are definitely a ramp. Oh, I, yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Completed contracts, Latinum left and right. Oh, yeah. I like it. Um, I feel like somewhere there's a joke about resistance being futile and rage being unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play a ramp deck that plays uh, the unique legendary data, and I want to name it Big Data. <laughs> So I'm quitting the podcast. I just want to give you guys the heads up. <laughs> I love how that's the one that, like, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back when I've made puns in direct messages to you for, like, 48 hours straight. Like, that's all I've been doing. If you guys want, a, want an insight to what Justin and I yeah. talk about in direct messages, he's like, yeah. hey, I have this idea for a video we can make, but I need puns with Tess Legends, like, cards and characters and song titles. And it's just, <laughs> after he said that, it's, like, just me sending him... Yeah. Like, loads and loads and loads of shit. Like, I, I, it's stuff like, uh, you know, Bad Blood Sorceress by Taylor Swift Strike. And just, <laughs> just nonstop. Yeah. I, I mean, it's what I do. House of the, House of the Rising Sun Hold Medic. <laughs> <laughs> so not a lot of these have made it into titles. <laughs> right. Yeah. Rolling in the Deepwood Tracker is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow, that was for a couple days. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> You give uh, you give a dad the opportunity to make dad jokes, and I'll go wild. Is this why you're funnier than CVH and I? Because uh, you have kids? Oh, fuck no! I'm not funnier than you and CVH. <laughs> I do I do this as a coping mechanism. I mean, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> oh man! Hey, thanks to everybody in chat for joining us. It's good to see us a bunch of familiar faces. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been off for a couple weeks. Um, I don't remember why we were off two weeks ago. But we were off last week because Charmer got the flu. <laughs> uh, we weren't. We were not off two weeks ago, were we? I don't remember. Were we? I we only missed the one week because I was dead. Oh, that's right. I, I thought that there were two episodes we missed in the new year so far. That must have been a memorable episode. It was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> uh, I mean, that episode came from a shithole place, so. Um. Ooh, that's one. Need <laughs> a counter on the screen. <laughs> That's one. It's like three if we count the ones before we went live. <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
you know, you know, I, I know we all talk about sometimes uh, the demonetization that's been going on with YouTube videos, and uh, yeah, time to demonetize this one, Charmer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, this one, this one's done, but it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, today on YouTube, I released a video where I say shithole like five times, and uh, totally monetized. <laughs> It, yeah, it's all random. It's like you can play around prophecies, but even when you do, you're just going to get hit by them, and then all of a sudden you don't play around them, you don't hit any of them, and it's just it's impossible to predict. You can that just play an, to your outs. <laughs> That's all you can that, do. That was an excellent segue into the actual topic of our podcast. <laughs> nice segue. Wait, wait, wait. We have an actual topic to our podcast this week? Ostensibly, we're here to talk about Elder Scrolls Legends every week. <laughs> I would like I would like to thank you, Justin, for also reminding me to check my creator studio and checking for demonetization. We're good yeah, for now. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I still have one from early November that's pending review. I love that the yeah. thumbnail of that video is me. <laughs> oh, the thumbnail might is might be what did it, you know, because I had a I don't know if I told you guys, but I had a video involving flesh sculpture, and the oh, first yeah. time I did it. Yeah, I, I had the thumbnail, like, flesh sculpture in the thumbnail. But the thing about that is, I'm pretty sure it tricked Google into thinking it was a vagina. So, like, before it was even done processing, it was demonetized. And then I immediately re-uploaded it with a different thumbnail, and it was fine. That's <laughs> awesome. I literally would, flesh sculpture. I would think That's that, awesome. but I think that my video, like, 100% oh, mimics... Yeah. I think it oh. 100% mimics Justin's video, and his no, is monetized. I, yeah. I the same video uploaded, and it has not been demonetized. Yeah. <laughs> Some, someone did a, an experiment where they uploaded the same video with like a blank blue and a blank red thumbnail and one of them got demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. So it's 2018, man. This is the, the first full year of like actual release that we've had with the game, which is kind of cool to look forward to. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. We were still in closed beta at this time last year. We were. were we? Yeah, we didn't officially come out until March of 2017. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that was well, that was open beta. Yeah. Open beta. Yeah, that's what I yeah, meant. That's yeah, what yeah. I mean. No, closed beta was uh, a long time end, ago. End of July. July. End of July 2016. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I think it's going to be an exciting year. I mean, you know, we know they've been working on another expansion, right? We've heard we've heard tell of that. Um, mm -hmm. And we also know that they want to have content out more quickly than they had uh, between Skyrim and Clockwork City. So, you know, we could get an announcement in a month or two, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably guess for end of February, early March, mid-March. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes the most sense to me. Um, the last time that we were in a, a similar period, we got Madhouse, which wasn't necessarily full content, right? But, like, we got Madhouse in mid-December. And then we got Follow the Dark Brotherhood in early March. So, given that we got this at end of November, you know, February, early March is probably our our next round of content. So, so we're thinking sense. that the reception probably wouldn't be too positive for a ten card expansion in a month and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it it, it's crazy enough. though because, like, looking back on it, you know, we've talked on the show before. Like, I think Charmer and I agree that like the Madhouse Collection, in retrospect, is like an incredible. Like yeah. mini expansion, mm -hmm. like I think it's uh, perfect. I totally agree with you. Even even the bad cards are interesting. Right, right. I mean, every single card in that set has made me want to do something at least once. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and some of them even like gave birth to you know archetypes that still see play, like orcs, gardeners, well, yep. items, uh, altar, market. Right. 
yeah, market. Uh, Mimic right. still, you know, it did it, it kind of fell off, but it did cause whole new styles of decks pretty much. Uh, it didn't cause the archetype, but even something as silly as like the camel really helped decks like yeah. Whisperator, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. One of the I mean, cool things about Market and Alter too is that those are cards whose power level changes with the release of new cards, and so like you still are going back to the Madhouse collection when you're you know when new cards come out from other sets. I, w- I would honestly like to see, um, and I don't know if this is any sort of reasonable, but you know just spitballing here, it would be cool to see like for the last like month at Legend or at a certain Legend rank, the number of played cards from anyone's deck that included a Madhouse card versus the number of Clockwork cards. Because I oh. honestly think Madhouse might be higher. <laughs> like, Madhouse yeah. has really competitively viable cards and just interesting cards. And uh, I guess if you count Fact Totems as like each individual one, then those decks are super clockwork dense. But besides that, right. I don't know. Like a couple of them here and there. I can see it. A lot of Galen's, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Galen, Phalanx, couple clockwork apostles. Right. So, that makes sense. Uh, not something we talked about ahead of time, but. So one of the things that we often hear mentioned, uh, you know, over and over, and it's the nature of the beast, is like, you know, the game game is stale. That's the one I always love because I, I guess that's really subjective and whatever, right? But we hear that, and we've never gotten an official release schedule from, you know, Bethesda or Direwolf. And rightfully so, that's just not how Bethesda works. With any of their games, I would never expect that from them, but... If we were to see our own, like, ideal setup, right? So, like, I would say to, you know, you, CVH, and you, Justin, like, what would you ideally in a perfect world like to see for, um, like, set releases, rotations, in terms of uh, frequency, size, you know, packed expansions, something as small as Madhouse, something like the story modes? Like, what would you you think is acceptable? What is uh, amazing, sweet spot, so on and so forth? Go ahead, man. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think a lot of it, it really does depend on like the size of the player base, too. We don't know, because, I mean, you know, the, the Hearthstone is pumping out a ton of cards, which takes a ton of resources from, you know, their dev team and stuff. So, uh, I don't know. I would definitely like to see two full expansions a year, at least, plus probably something Dark Brotherhood-sized, or maybe, you know, not, not necessarily, maybe a tiny bit smaller. I don't know. Like, definitely at least one story a year, hopefully two, but I don't know. Is is two stories and two full expansions too much in a year? It's like every three months you get, like, story. Three months later you get an expansion. Three months later you get a story. Something like that. It might be too much. I don't know. I I I I think that the two stories, two two you know not corset size, but two like Heroes of Skyrim yeah. size expansions, I think that that would be great. You know, I mean, like I've in the past advocated for all sorts of things that like just keep things moving, keep things changing. You know, going so far as to say that like if we're not getting new content, you know, like during that five or six months we didn't get anything, um, we should just like rebalance cards to create change, <laughs> not because anything's unbalanced. So I think that getting new stuff every three months would be the perfect amount of time for that you know you have that initial period of release where everybody's playing their goofball shit and like people are having fun with it you have that uh, that period where people are refining those lists and then you have the, the counter the counter reaction to what the meta's become and then you have new content and i think that three months is just a perfectly appropriate amount of time to do that yeah and we got the last set of balance well, like the last last set of balance changes after skyrim it was like really really following Skyrim directly and so it did kind of feel like the same meta the entire time even though those balance changes helped you know after that it was like four and a half more months and you know I mean we can competitive scene whatever but the lack thereof you know basically the meta wasn't evolving super fast so it did kind of feel like molasses at times but like personally I've never really cared like 
as a player, I can I can jam the same deck for literal years if I need to. And I've always thought the meta was really diverse. I've never hated the meta. I just think it needs to keep moving. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Like I I think that part of the reason I, I like switched my entire approach to like content creation is because I I did just play the scout deck for like three months, and I got so so burned out on it that I I wanted to do something so completely different than what I was doing that I I went into playing like. Uh, I mean, I guess objectively worse decks because I wanted to do something different and like I, I just I got so burned out playing the same deck over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I mean, like by nature of Hearthstone, there's usually like a couple like obviously standout decks, but you know when I say like play the same thing, I mean like the same sort of rotation of decks that are good. Like you know, for example, if it's Ramp Scout, Aggro Crusader, and Rage Archer a couple months ago, like sure I can I can be up on all those because tournament decks and stuff, but yeah. What are you gonna say, Charmer? So I was gonna say I think that I agree with the pacing that probably once every three months some sort of release is good. Um, I think two two pack expansions. Um, I would like one story and then probably one madhouse, or if I'm being extra greedy, I would say one story and two madhouses, so we get like a surprise disbursement. Um, I would like to see more story, but I I have a sneaking suspicion that that is probably more difficult to create than the simple pack expansions because when you think about all of the effort that goes into, you know, designing the encounters and doing the voiceover work. And you have to remember, they're not just creating cards for us as the players, but there's all the like special cards and supports and things that are created for the encounters as well. Um, you know, I, it's entirely speculation, but I could see where that would actually eat up more time than just packs, right? So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, interestingly enough about the story mode, like I, I not too long ago joined a uh, a Facebook group for Legends because I was um, looking to whore my content out to more places, and uh, there are a hundred threads in that in that uh, group about like, oh man, I'm really struggling with this the story mode mission, right? <laughs> and uh, I, I think that sometimes as guys who are like as enfranchised as we are, like it, it can be easy to forget that like so, like to the to the ultra casual, not involved in the community kind of people, like those story mode missions can take time, you know. And uh, I think that uh, like what you were talking about, Charmer, where like it takes a lot of work to balance those, make them appropriate for all audiences and stuff like that. I think that like for, I didn't really appreciate that, I guess, until I saw people struggling with them. Yeah, I was thinking about this as well. Um, I was having some messages with uh, uh, Taiwanus. Uh, he hangs around a lot of the Twitch chats, and he's part of the community. You guys probably recognize him. Him and I were yeah. going back and forth about like some UI things, and I was saying to him at the time that uh, I actually feel like the single-player aspect of this game could be played up more. When you think about your potential target audience, uh, it's a bunch of people who played single-player Elder Scrolls games for a long time, and... It would be interesting if they just said, okay, like, we're only going to get one story uh, thing, like, a year, but it's going to be, like, a really bitchin' story mode, and we're also going to, like, play up Solo Arena or whatever the case may be, because there's likely, and I'm just guessing here, but there's probably a pretty big market for people who just also want to play against the AI and not worry about ladder anxiety. Um, you know, like, my mom played Solitaire for, like, 20 years against a computer. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there are people yeah. who would just hop on, do something silly in an Elder Scrolls universe, be entirely happy, smashing their face against the AI various ways. Um, yeah. I actually think that that's something that, you know, again, doesn't necessarily... 
uh, affect me as a content creator as much. And I certainly like I'm in the same boat CVHs and I'd like to see more tournaments and things like that. Um, so like this isn't something that I want, but I could see where it would really help the, the player base in the community potentially. I totally agree with you, man. I probably play just as much solo arena as I play like versus human beings. <laughs> Personally, I can't do much solo. I don't know. <laughs> I tried it a few times. Yeah. I did. I did manage to not ace my first solo arena ever when I was first. I, I couldn't beat the final boss. It was disappointing. Got me three times. Yeah. Every now and then that happens. I actually play a decent amount of solo arena now. Um, because I can stop mid-game, so it's very easy for me to like play for five minutes on break at work or something, and then even if I'm in yeah. the middle of a game or if uh, like I get a phone call or something, I can literally just stop and come back to it, which is very nice. Same here. That's exactly what I do. <clears throat> um, we so we we've danced around, you know, uh, we, we've made some allusions to the competitive scene. I think that it would be, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about the subject while well, we've got CVH here, who I know has been in the community talking about his position on this for a while now. Yes, yeah, so what, what do you guys want to know? <laughs> I mean, I guess just generally, you know, a good launching point might be just kind of outlining your opinion and your position on uh, where we're at and where you think we should go. Yeah, that's, that's like a tough question, because, I mean, like, if you'd asked me a year ago, like, the, like, my biggest problem with Legends, like, objectively, it'd be that I didn't know what the roadmap was. And if you asked me, like, my biggest problem objectively now with Legends, it'd be that I'm still not really sure what the roadmap is, which is kind of a weird thing. Like, I just, it's something to do with, like, the, exp the expansion releases. Like, I get it, I get it, this, like, not Bethesda does, they like to sort of reveal things right before they happen. I just don't. I'm not sure how that works in the context of a card game. Maybe it works with people who came over from other games and they play Legends now, but I've only ever played card games and like the lack of information is is sometimes a little little scary, you know, it can feel a little bit cuz even when I was playing Duel Masters, Yu-Gi-Oh, Kaijudo, Hearthstone, uh, any other card game it's just like it's clearly set in front of you. Like and for example, Kaijudo, we had a roadmap set in front of us that app happened to go until after the game actually had died. That's how far we had, like we had known about set releases and then they announced the game was dead. I'm not sure. I'm not saying to emulate that, especially the whole game dying thing was suboptimal there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just, it just depends. Cause a year ago I was like, well, they should have a competitive scene, but maybe they don't want it to be a competitive game. You know, and that's, that's perfectly reasonable. There's a lot of competitive games already out there. There's nothing saying this, this game definitely, I could just straight up will not have a Hearthstone Championship Tour or a Magic Pro Tour level tournament. You know, I'm a realistic person. I, I just straight up will not. Like, I got into Kaijudo knowing that Kaijudo would never have a Pro Tour either. These are just these are things. But will it ever have a monthly cup with the amount of money Faria is putting in their monthly cup? Will it ever have, like, an invite tournament like Gwen's doing? Will it ever have like a point system on the ladder like these are questions that you know these seem more reasonable at least if it, my, my motto is like if fairy can do it i can do it so <laughs> you know it would be nice to to know i mean it's okay if they don't want to but it's there's always the question of okay we're gonna up the prize pool okay we're gonna work with different organizations what it, what does that mean what organizations like what what's the time frame just like some sort of just anything concrete would be good but i mean i think a competitive scene would be good but honestly like, people do have a good point, right? Like, 99% of people will never play in a tournament. And, like, maybe slightly more than that will watch them. 
but especially with how they've cultivated the game up to this point, I'm not sure how good a competitive scene, like what would that really do for their people still here? Because if you're still playing Legends, a competitive scene is not the most important thing to you. It might be important, but it's not the most important thing. So if they do make one, it ha- well, if, well, if they do make one, it has to be good enough to pull other people in. Because the people here, they're already going to be here, you know? The people who are going to quit because they don't have a competitive scene, they've already... That was a while ago, right? But yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, because there's so many ways they could take it. What kind of tournaments they could do. What levels. Cool. That's sort of a <laughs> non-answer. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, I I got sidetracked. I mean, like I, I appreciate your answer, and and I, I I understand like a lot of the nuance to what you're saying, um, and I agree with a lot of it. Uh, but I, I got sidetracked thinking about, um, you know, there are two tournaments that ended last night, right? The Warp Meta oh, one, yeah, yeah. and what was the other one? I, I mean, I know that's oh, not the, the, the ESL monthly finals, yeah, right. And I know that's not the competitive scene that a lot of players who are looking for the competitive scene are looking for. But I was thinking about how unrelated to like the experience of laddering um the decks that we see in tournaments are right and how much different that is from other card games that i follow like i'm trying to articulate this better i guess um so i feel like tournaments are these like like that cassette guy right um upstanding citizen great player <laughs> he, uh, he, he won one of the two tournaments and uh and and he brought a uh what was it? A double Thieves Guild fence? It, yeah, Leafwater Blessing o- OTK Heck Your Election Russian deck, yeah. Right, exactly. I did lose to him playing that on ladder, to be fair. Like that it's not a ladder deck, and some people have said it just doesn't work on ladder. Well, you know, fuck me, right? It worked against me. <laughs> Feels bad. <laughs> right, right. Um And I mean like I mean all kidding aside, like he he seems like a, a really strong player, but um I was thinking about how like the decks that people bring to tournaments just aren't immediately net decked, right? Like I feel like in this game, unlike like even Hearthstone, I feel like because I mean I still watch Hearthstone content creators and I sometimes watch Hearthstone tournaments. Um, it seems like when someone brings something to the ladder, or I'm sorry, brings something to a tournament, you're going to see similar things on the ladder fairly regularly, and I just don't see the connection between the tournaments we've had and the ladder experience now. Well, Justin. Yes. Uh, in in November of 2016, I actually I actually did a video about why Legends <laughs> needs tournaments and how it would impact the ladder and why decks are different in tournaments than they are on the ladder. Hey, that's a good video. I watched that a couple months ago and it was it was a good watch. <laughs> you you have to understand that um, on the ladder, right? Yeah. You're you're basically trying to smash net wins as much as possible you want a high win rate but you also need to play a lot of games to like really have it balance out to to get past just the general variance of things you know right um so there are certain decks whether you like it or not that are just (laughs) better at doing that on the ladder right go fuck yourself dude no 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 no, no, i'm dead dead serious right there like there's a big difference between the guy who's playing support mage where yeah. every game takes 40 minutes and then right. the guy who takes, you know, token crusader and wins every like 8 minutes, right? So yeah. you can literally have a better deck, let's just say hypothetically. I'm not saying this is the case, but hypothetically support mage could have like a 10-15% better overall win rate, right. but it doesn't matter because it won't climb nearly as fast or as as effectively 
as the other one. Now you do have a lot of uh, situations where people will pick like aggro or mid-range very early in the season to get to the top and then like camp with their high win rate decks. But essentially when it comes to ladder and since ladder is our only incentive right now, um, you basically, you build your decks that are gonna win uh, do your best in a, in a series of one, as I call it, where you don't know what the field is, right? So again, aggro and mid-range are typically great there. Mid-range because it's a little more flexible. Aggro because you're trying to punish people who have poor draws or unoptimized lists. But when you go to a tournament, that's not the case. Like, you want to have the best chance at winning, like, period, right? You want to bring your best decks regardless of how many games you need to play. Like, time isn't really the factor there. It's really just, like, I need to win, and that might mean a control deck that you wouldn't necessarily ladder with. Um, you also, typically, uh, in tournaments that are smaller, right, if you're talking like a 32-player tournament where you're going to know many of the, the people, uh, there's that, like, metagame within the metagame where you're going to say, like, okay, I know Icarus is going to bring three mid-range lists. Why? Because it's Icarus. I need to have a plan for that. So your decks for tournaments are purposefully different because you have a different objective. Now, when you have a competitive scene that's going to then bleed back into the ladder, right? Because if you actually are saying, okay, I need to prepare for a tournament, right? I know that I'm going to be playing in these. I want to fine tune my lists for the tournament. And sometimes like you've got a really sweet play group and you can do internal play testing. And sometimes you just want to smash that thing on the ladder. And so you get a little bit more diversity and you see a little bit uh, of different style decks because of people preparing for the tournaments. But because we don't have that, we just have the ladder so that we can get, you know, our name on the monthly letter. Um, yeah. Like you're just, Woo! you're just going to see <laughs> different decks on the ladder than you do see at the tournaments. Mm -hmm. I think it also is worth comparing like how fast the fastest decks are versus how slow the slowest decks are though, because I think the slowest decks in this game are very slow compared to a game like Hearthstone. There are slow decks in Hearthstone, but they are not like Altar of Despair, Journey to Sovngarde, time for part two of this game, kind of slow. Like, yeah, right, it's right. not really... Yeah, you... that, that is a time commitment when you queue up that deck. Yeah, I, I remember being impatient when I would play like Mill Warrior and Hearthstone, and I was like, well, I gotta survive like 30 cards and then wait a few turns. And in this game, like, it, it's, it's no joke. I've played games that have ran up against the hour mark, um, and that was before Support Mage was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of the accessibility, too, because I don't think the average mobile player wants to win or lose in 20 minutes. You know, they just want to they just want to have a game. <laughs> the average yeah. mobile player, obviously, like the average long term player. But I think that explains mostly why the ladder is different from tournaments, especially at lower ranks. And it's compounded by the fact that newer players don't have full collections and playing budget low cost cards is going to be more efficient than budget high cost cards. It's like in, in arena, if your card quality is poor, you go more aggressive. So the game doesn't go longer. So you don't lose because of your card quality. You just try to like rush them down. So if the budget players also play more aggressive things, but, but in Hearthstone, for example, it might be because there's a competitive scene, but I know like the, the, the vast majority, again, in that game who I play on the ladder, they don't play tournaments either. Like there's, there's a lot of people who play, but a lot of people who don't play tournaments. And yet, I've probably played against two decks. I played like a few hundred games of Hearthstone probably recently, and like I played against maybe like two or three decks that weren't something you could find on the meta snapshot, like five cards different. Everyone just plays, and that's fine, you know, for me because it's like a lot of different things, but it's all like optimized list, optimized Jadrid, optimized Rizakis Priest, optimized Big Priest, optimized Zulog. Like it's just all, there's, there's not much yeah. 
weirdness because it like this million this literally millions of players it gets explored at a drop of yeah. a hat right it's just all of a sudden it sets out millions of people are exploring net decks decks they evolve like two weeks later we know what the meta is pretty much and it might evolve a little bit i so i want to take a quick shot here and say it does get solved certainly faster because of uh we'll say the the, the hash rate for solving it there's my bitcoin reference for you justin but I also want to take a shot and say that in in my personal opinion, I think it's also a bit uh, on the developers in that they don't create scenarios where there can be anything other than the optimized lists. Like, say what you want about mm -hmm. Legends, it probably would be slightly more, uh, you know, optimized if we had larger player bases and tournaments and whatever. But I, I firmly believe that Direwolf just does a better job of giving us uh, cards that serve as like niche tools as opposed to just this is the best option all the time. Mm -hmm. And 50 card decks had a lot of room to, to do stuff like that, too. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what uh, the fundamental difference is between, like, like, like the why about, you know, the uh, the Hearthstone meta being so solid so quickly versus Legends. Because, I mean, I, I feel like even when I've complained about diversity on the ladder, like, it's still been more diverse than I ever experienced playing Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. or, or, or Magic Online when I was playing Magic Online, for that matter. Um, like uh, magic on like magic reference here, like the legends meta feels like like modern, right? Where there are a, a ton of viable strategies. You can't build a deck that counters every other viable strategy, and you just you know hope you, you run into over fifty percent uh, on the ladder <laughs> of decks that you do have a reasonable matchup against, or that you know you know even if you, uh, some possibility of beating. And um, the Hearthstone meta feels like standard and in um magic where it's quickly solved and those decks are all over the tournaments and you know half the top eight of the tournaments the same deck and so on and so forth like yeah. if modern i don't know how many decks are playable in modern but if modern had a one deck ladder system like legends and like the top 64 got qualified for the pro tour like some incredibly large prize pool like monthly how many decks would you actually see do you think would it still be like crazy diverse or would it like it would tighten up maybe I don't know. I just don't know. I really don't know how many decks are playable it's in Modern. It's pretty but, diverse, uh, and they're doing, like, Modern as part of the Pro Tour this year for right. 25 years, right? So, I mean, we'll actually right. get to see whether that gets pared down or not. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying there, Justin. But, it, again, to me, that's that just furthers my, my stance that I think Direwolf takes a little bit of the credit for their design philosophies because, they're you know, I mean, we know that they've got a lot of former right. uh, and current pro magic players involved over there so it would make sense that they would create that environment um yeah and as much as we even like to joke about like hearthstone being solved at least it's not gwent right no that's um, true that's I, true i enjoy gwent i you know i i still play it periodically and i played it a lot during the closed beta but like gwent is competitive algebra and when your game is that much numbers and has that little variance with the the deck size and things like that like that is solved on the ptr <laughs> like, right right also, I like playing it, but I can't stream it. I'm too stupid to broadcast that live. <laughs> dude, I totally feel you. Like I, I've expressed before that it seems like a great game that I'm not smart enough to play. <laughs> Which is weird because you love Sudoku. I did, but we've clarified. Hold on, let's clarify this again too, because yes, I played Sudoku like every day for like three years, but I was also in prison and I had like nothing better to do with my time. <laughs> That's how it you, starts. You can get really good at Sudoku. Nothing better. Then you better. find yourself playing Sudoku on the tournament. Then you start on the toilet. 
Exactly. <laughs> I just find it hard to believe that you had nothing better to do with your time in prison with like all of the hot all of the I hot singles. Degree too. I mean, all the hot singles. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've told this story. Let me tell the story. This guy's never getting out, so I don't have to worry about it. I was, um, I just gotten, I just been moved to medium security, and so we were in these sixteen man pods, two man cells, so eight two man cells in each pod, and I'm I'm hanging out with this guy in the cell next to me, and we're becoming friends. But his celly is this guy doing life for multiple homicide, who's just like gigantic. His name's Congo. I mean, that's what we call them. And um, I he, totally heard the story. I'm not gonna spoil it. Have you really? I think, I think so. Okay. I think so. Fucking this dude, he uh, he calls me into his cell one day. He's like, hold on, let me holler at you, man. I'm like, okay. So I go in his cell and he's like, um, hey, you want to get high? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, but I, I already sense where this is going because like, you don't know nothing. There's no free lunch in prison, all right? I mean, like there's literally free lunch, but there's no free lunch in prison. <laughs> and so he's like, when are you gonna let me hit that, right? And I'm staring up at this gigantic man. I'm like, well, I have about when are you five. Let me hit that, <laughs> right? I'm like, I got about five seconds to answer this question in a way that guarantees me, like, hopefully guarantees that uh, I don't get raped in the next like two years. <laughs> and so I was like, man, I got a guy. I, I got I got someone waiting for him in the outside. And he's like, I can respect that man. <laughs> and so he just, I just walked out of his cell. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. See, that was a respectful advance. You know, we should treat everyone like that, like that yeah. guy did. Yeah, actually, he, he's, you know, I, I liked him. I thought yeah, he was yeah, it's, yeah. Ama it's amazing how somebody can uh, come out to you and then yeah. respect your decision, and that person's in prison, and you can grab people by the pussy and run the country. Yeah, well, our, our I'll write down little... the timestamp for you. I'll message you when you have to edit this out if you want to stay monetized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna miss out on my thirty cents. That's whatever. Well, we're we're well on be our way to becoming a shithole. <laughs> so, yeah. Pretty soon, pretty soon, Norway's not gonna accept our immigrants. Oh, yeah. So, uh, one of one of the other things that I felt like it would be fun to talk about. Yes. Um, was the idea of uh, onboarding. Right. Uh, some private messages that we'd sent prior to the broadcast, I had mentioned the idea of, you know, Legends is a year and a half old now. We're, we're kind of grown up. The, the honeymoon is certainly over. So if we want the game to do well, and if yeah. we certainly want to be good stewards of the community, which, you know, at least two of us want to. I'm a degenerate. Um, we should like, we, we should I was like, who the fuck are you talking about, dude? Yeah, we should like, you know, we should at least consider how you would want to approach, uh, you know, bridging the gap. Like, how do we bring new people in? How do we make sure that they stick? I know that that's one of the things that Pete Hines had talked about in the past was that, you know, as concerned as we are about the current player base, he's also trying to get new people to play the game. And so, yeah. um, you know, I was just saying, you know. Let's let's spitball some ideas, maybe, or or think, you know, what what can we do to get people to come in? Because I know personally, if a game's already entrenched for a couple of years, it's kind of difficult for to like to entice me to come and want to pick it up, right? That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of weird when they did that on like the announcement about the uh, the onboarding, right? Because that ear podcast and that whole OP announcement that was like right after Clockwork released, but the whole. Like, I was excited when Clockwork was announced, 
that was back when I was still in talks with CounterLogic about picking me up as a streamer, and they were excited about shit. I don't know if I told you guys that, but that was like the second major organization to be like, yeah, nah. <laughs> but like, I, I was trying to explain the bad viewership to them, and I was like, well, don't worry, we got an expansion just announced to pick up in the next month. But like, the whole of November, it just didn't feel like there was any hype leading up to the expansion. I felt like that was kind of a perfect opportunity. I also felt Skyrim was like the best opportunity ever because everyone knows about Skyrim. You could have like two years ago, you could have said the word Skyrim at me and I would have like something would have happened. I didn't even know any Bethesda games at that point, but I would have, you know, name recognition there. I would have been like, okay, that sounds interesting and huge. You know, it's like the whole Skyrim set and it was just sort of, okay, we'll do some sponsored streams. And like even Clockwork, I think they sponsored Crypt like twice. And I'm not saying, obviously, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? It's just a little bit of Twitch. But w what else was there? I mean, you guys might know more about, like, onboarding for Clockwork, but do you think it was a good opportunity? Do you think it was, like, a missed opportunity for getting new people into the game? Because, I mean, I don't know. It's, like, because I, I follow mostly Twitch stats, because that's, like, what, I, what I'm on all the time. So, like, for me, November was, like, a kind of a constant slow decline which kind of just persisted like the day of clockworks release it was like a little higher and then it was kind of kind of back to the same old <laughs> from all the stats that i've been looking at so i guess uh you know since i stream like super intermittently and not even on the days that i say i'm going to i can't really speak to twitch numbers <laughs> mm -hmm. but um i will say that, like my youtube numbers have been up since clockwork came out and have stayed up um mm -hmm. like I'm, i mean i'm as far as like viewers of my content goes, I'm doing. I December of 2017 was my best year or best month, um, and before that it was the month that uh, Dark Brotherhood came out. So like I've gone way okay. back up. Yeah, I think my YouTube saw a pretty big increase about the same time my Twitch did, like with drops in Skyrim and everything. Yeah, uh, and it's been like. Uh, it's been like within the same 20% give or take ever since but like obviously December was huge but that's like a CPM thing because like as soon as if you go check your your stats for like revenue and stuff on either site like ad yeah. revenue just took like a drastic jump off of a cliff like December 26th right. <laughs> like, yeah I, I have okay. noticed that yeah, yeah and, and it's pretty much gonna like, like I could run the same amount of ads on Twitch now and get like a third of the money is in December is nuts yeah yeah I jam pack my videos with as many ads as humanly possible so I can justify my hobby to Sandra. <laughs> about, about 20 a minute, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, to answer CVH's question, I think that Clockwork was a good opportunity. It might not have been our best. Uh, I agree, Skyrim was certainly there, and the, the first time they do something Oblivion based, that'll be like the next yeah. one. Um, but I don't know. I mean, in terms of name recognition, those are great opportunities, but I don't know if even that's going to be enough to, like, get people in and get them, get them to, like, stick and hold. And that's why I, earlier I was kind of mentioning that I think that maybe maybe it is the path where they try to lure people in from the single-player standpoint first, get them used to that, and then, and then go from there, right? Like, even with, mm -hmm. you know, Hearthstone, right? For those of you who don't know, Hearthstone's actually based on the World of Warcraft card game like there was a card game that existed physical card game before Hearthstone was a thing and it so it was a good game man so it was a good game. when they released Hearthstone you had a crowd that were used to the card game and you had a crowd that were used to obviously World of Warcraft where you get online and play with other people and so this idea of like playing a card game with other people um probably not as foreign as it would be to somebody who literally just like hey I spent 400 hours playing Skyrim I guess I'll check out this card game what am I doing um 
so I think Clockwork City was great in terms of like it's a story and it certainly plays up that uh, first person experience. I know that in the dev article, the one, um, they had mentioned that they tried making the story missions a little bit easier this time around as well to, to bridge that gap for new players. I think that's a, a great step in the right direction. Um, obviously, I think we can all three of us take this the same standpoint that we wish that uh, there was a slightly heavier marketing push, though. It's, it is my understanding that they do a lot of digital marketing and it might just be that I'm not seeing them because they know I already have the game or not. I don't know. I Digital marketing so weird today because they can like tell you if you're pregnant before you know it with all the big data stuff. So I don't I don't know if I'm not seeing it because I'm not supposed to see it or if I'm not seeing it because it doesn't exist. Um, but I, I know that we all feel like it would be nice if it, it was a little more in our face. I've been logged in uh, on my laptop as Sandra um, on Facebook and seen ads for Elder Scrolls Legends, but I've never seen them when I'm logged in as myself on my computer. Huh. Yeah. And, you know, Sandra is on the periphery of a lot of, like, the Elder Scrolls stuff because, you know, she obviously follows uh, our channels and uh, uh, follows me on Twitter and stuff like that. So I wonder if there's something to what you're saying about you being avoided for advertisement. Maybe, yeah. I, I get a lot of other card games on my ads. <laughs> I get a lot of Hearthstone ads. It's like they know yeah. that I gave up on them. Yeah, I, I get a lot of people who like a lot of people who watch my streams say they get Hearthstone ads too. Like a lot of people who are into Legends. So. Yeah, I think I've actually seen Hearthstone ads on your channel. Yep, I put them there. I'm secretly a Blizzard shill. <laughs> I, mean, I understand. You guys heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I'm secretly a fairy like, shill, so... Wow, you're the last one. <laughs> <laughs> was fairy one of the games you encouraged me to play, Charmer, when I was, like, last spring? Like, no, it's getting... uh, Shardbound, and unfortunately, Shardbound. that game is uh, basically on its way out because they ran out of money, which is sad because that game was very well designed. I enjoyed playing it. Um... No, Fairy is another game that, in my opinion, has great mechanics and is interesting. It was based off a of Kickstarter, and it's one of the ones that I was really interested in because originally their business model was going to be they had packs, but then every time they did an expansion, they were going to have a one-time one flat fee where you would get all of the cards, right? And to mm. me... No, I totally bought that, yeah. Yeah, so like to me, I was really interested because I'm like, hey, like I work two jobs, I got a lot of stuff going on. If I can, every time an expansion comes out, just have the stuff I need and then play, right. that that is fantastic. And then they got rid of that as a uh, business model. Um, yeah. But fa I, I like Fairy. I think that it's uh, also inter interesting in terms of design. If you've never tried it, I would encourage you to at least check it out from uh, an appreciation standpoint. Uh, yeah, I, I got an image of a of a of uh, the board here. It looks pretty yeah. cool. I, I mean, it reminds me now, live on Twitch. It has seven viewers. Nice. <laughs> yep. Dude, what last last time we had an episode, I uninstalled Heroes. Uh, uh, what is it? Hand of the Gods while we were doing the podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, but that, you know that's an interesting example of what marketing can do if the game backs it up, right? Because like the marketing push for for Hand of the Gods was so strong that I went in and spent money on it, right? And then I played it and I was like, this game fucking sucks. <laughs> and and uh, but like it, it totally got me, you know. And and I think that with a good campaign, the fact that Legends I think is a really great game, you know, you, people you retain them after they spend twenty dollars on an intro pack or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you're trying to pull, too, right? Because you got the competitive players will want a competitive scene. If they'd even see one, like, look what happened to Hand of the Gods. Obviously, we didn't have a ton, but, like, you know, Lateralis, you can call me out, PDMD, a few others. Like, they just see a competitive scene, I'll try it out. You know, unless they're super, super invested in Legends, they all love the game. But, you know, right. they just, you know it was enough to at least get their attention. But, like, the casual stuff, like the, uh, like the story mode, I think Clockwork fixed a lot of the problems from, like, just, like... I can't really explain it because I don't really know how to articulate about single-player content, but it just felt like a better story mode than we had seen previously. It felt more memorable, it felt more interesting, but uh, all of that, you still have to get people to know that the story mode is there to play. Like, right. so they fixed a bunch of problems, but like, they still need a bunch of people to know that, like, a new people need to know the clockwork's coming out, right? Like, how, right. Do, you, how do you do that? <laughs> That's the thing. Um, you know, they could name the next uh, Legends expansion. Elder Scrolls 6. Six. <laughs> <laughs> hey! $60. Buy on in, guys. Yeah. So, one of the things that I had talked about uh, in our like end-of-the-year podcast when I blew Justin's mind and I told him about the, the Dota International and their prize pool and how they oh, fund yeah. that, right, with uh, cosmetics and then that goes to the prize pool thing. I'd be actually curious to get CVH's Brilliant. take on that, right? Yeah, right? Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely smart. Why are we not funding this? I, I, I don't know. I wonder know, like, the same I don't know. thing. I feel like we need some premium avatars. We need, we need them. I don't even care if they're good. Just make yeah. them bad. Just make them like, just make them Emmerich level avatars. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Give, give me premium avatars. Give me ultra. I've literally snap bought yeah. every alternate art card that they've ever made, and I probably will as long as it's not like break the same bank style. Um, so you. Yeah, me... I bought the last pack of alternate arts, and then I realized I didn't even really want them, but I've already bought them. I just I just did it because yeah. they were there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I would pay good money for a sales through Stormy Nights, Daniel. Or dad, God damn it! I fucked it up. <laughs> Sales through Stormy Daniels Avatar. What the hell is wrong with me? Um, Sandra just booed from another room. <laughs> That's why I love Sandra. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, if they if they did a series of things where they throughout the year, right? They were like, you know, let's say once every three months, right? We've got like four. Uh, like many big tournaments that lead into one yearly big tournament and for every one they're like here's a pack of like 10 alternate art cards half of this goes towards the prize pool um, there I mean there you go because the cool thing about that from a, a business standpoint right and why it's so awesome for things like the international is that all of the people who don't even care about the competitive scene might just like the card and pitch in towards the scene anyway so you're, you're getting support for your competitive scene even from your casual player base when you take a route like that. And I think that it's it's brilliant and it certainly solves two issues that I have. One is I want mm -hmm. more alternate art stuff because, ooh, shiny. And one because it, you know, it funds those community tournaments and those, th those things that we want, so. Yeah, and I even think like taking the tournament aspect out of it, just like cosmetics in general, like they they are a fantastic, even tiny one. They're a fantastic way to get people just to play the ladder, you know, just or just to play whatever. You can make them play arena, you know, finish ten runs, seven wins in a month, and you get whatever the hell you want to give them. Uh, finish top whatever legend, you get some dinky little avatar border that you can like. That shouldn't take too long to develop, you know. I work Bucky like a slave over there making a thumbnail literally every single day. And you know, Shit. yeah, that's right. That's right. You know? Is this, this is like a I don't even know what it is over here, but you know, I mean, it's not 
you know, I wouldn't obviously do it if it was that much work, which kind of circles around to my point, which is it's probably not that much work. <laughs> the implementation of it's probably the hardest part of it. And it just helps player retention, right? Because I literally saw a thread on Reddit yesterday. I hit legend now what? And, you know, we could tell that guy to play single player content. But what if he doesn't want to? We could tell him to just have fun. But what if the fun was trying to do something? You know, just give him an avatar border. That's literally it sounds like it's not enough, but. It is, yeah. you know, it's like a static, it's like a legend card back or whatever. You know, people like wouldn't hit legend at all in Hearthstone if it wasn't for that card back. Like, <laughs> it's just a status symbol. And it's a great way to keep people playing your game. But yeah, uh, yeah in, in terms of customization too, one of the things that I think um, is probably expensive to develop on their end because of the voice lines, but what I would like to see that they have in Eternal, the other Direwolf game, right? Uh, here is the ability to customize your emotes. Yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite things about Eternal is the fact that, like, I get to pick which emotes I have available to me because sometimes, like, I legitimately want to say, like, hey, nice get play fucked, to my idiot. opponent. Well, that too. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've got that one. That's, uh, mm -hmm. that one's already set. Right? But you know what I mean? Like, you can have one where it's like, uh, you want to say good game or nice play or something, right? But we all know that in mm -hmm. this game, because of the voice lines... Uh, if it, there are certain emotes that, because of the avatar you picked, sound condescending as hell. So right, right. I, I would, yeah. I want an avatar. I want emotes. I want uh, you know playing fields like everybody talks about, right? Like the background. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I still think cardbacks are a good idea, even if you don't really see them. I know that was kind of the reason we don't have different cardbacks, but I, you know, they're, they're visible enough for me. Whatever. I want to see cool cardbacks on my opponent's nah. side. Not cardbacks, but let's talk about the single most powerful, influential thing in the game, period. I want a custom ring. Oh. <laughs> that, that is a good idea, honestly. I was disappointed when I when I first had an all-premium deck and the ring wasn't, like, shiny or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because in Hearthstone, the coin becomes... Yeah. Yeah, it should turn to, like, a golden yeah. ring with the gems, right? Yeah. yeah. It should have four charges. <laughs> now that's overpowered. <laughs> There we go. I, I like like clockwork. Uh, the uh, there is a new ring post on the Reddit forum. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just not. I'm not even going to address it anymore. At this point, my I was my to. yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, um, my stance is uh, delete the ring and explore something else that doesn't have the psychological effect of somebody activating it. Um, I think I've off the cuff said something like second player starts at 31 health with a sixth rune. Uh, not that I'm wed to that, but give me something that uses in-game mechanics and takes away the psychological effect of activation and that is also uh, easier to adjust because I think that the big problem with balancing the ring, uh, whether you agree it needs to or not, is that uh, the number of charges and the tempo it provides is a huge swing. So one tick in one direction or the other um, or interruption of the cycle is probably going to have a big impact. Whereas if you do something like Again, not that I, this is my off-the-cuff thing, right? But if you do something like second player starts at 31 health and has a sixth rune, um, and that's not working, then maybe it's they have 32 health, right? Like, that's a much easier incremental thing from a balance standpoint than the way the ring exists. So at this point, uh, all conversations that I want to have about the ring are mm -hmm. delete it and just do something <laughs> else so that I don't have to hear about it anymore. Well, they're never going to do that, so. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, like, I think the ring is probably in the most balanced state a thing like that can be in, with, like, the possible exception of the other thing they're never going to do, which is, like, the non-consecutive turn thing, and they're never going to do that because it's just, 
you have to exp- you have to put it in someone's face like the first time someone tries to use a ring on a consecutive turn realizes they can't and thinks they got screwed like that's just a huge turn off for a returning player yeah. or whatever so like yeah. despite it maybe being better they're just not going to do it but like so let's just say the ring is is probably fine but my question to you is to see like one of the biggest proponents of the ring being well either fine or unfixable whichever one you want to choose <laughs> <laughs> sounds like different things but yeah this is not so, the response i expected from him today <laughs> but like if you're in a tournament and you are given the choice like, i don't even know what matchup like in what matchups would it matter like you're just given the choice you like the finals the winner gets fifty thousand dollars the loser is the one paying fifty thousand dollars the stakes are high you get offered the choice of the ring or no ring what are you choosing Depends on the decks I'm playing and the list my opponent right. brings, but like I'll tell you right okay. now, if I'm playing token Blind, mage, you don't know your opponent's stuff. Sure, but like if I if I have token mage, for example, uh, mm-hmm. if I was playing the like pre-nerf mono red aggro that a lot of people were playing, especially post clockwork with ratway prospector, I'm honestly going first. Um, all of my stats, look, I live and die by my my data, right? It's what you do when you go to the blackjack table. You try to take your emotions out of it. You you study the book, if you will. I take the same approach here. All of my data, and I've been doing it for over a year now, says uh, that I have a extremely higher win rate. Well, not extremely, but a noticeably higher win rate going first than second. Um, it doesn't feel that way. I certainly don't like emotionally agree with that, but that's what my data says. And uh, at the end of the day, if money's on the line, just like when I play blackjack or poker, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the odds. So I, I would I would pick going first, especially if I'm on decks like Token Mage and things like that, where I have a lot of one drops. Um, the only time that I'm going to take the ring is if, uh, you know, and again, you, you know, you said I don't know what decks my opponent's playing or whatever, but like the only time I think that the ring is uh, super impactful is in mid-range mirrors that are not just traditional mid-range, but tempo mid-range. I think that the places that it has the greatest impact right now are any decks that run uh, the curse package, because Goblin yep. Skulk off the ring is the single best play in the game, period. And yep. uh, in the past, I would have said old school sorcerer as well because they're a hundred percent dependent on board presence. I actually think they're a little more resilient now with that they've got some tools like Barrow Stalker with uh, helping your ability to come back, so it's not as drastic. But if you're running a deck like that, and let's be honest, and here <laughs> let's go back to that ladder and tournament scene, right? A lot of people are running decks like that because they're easy to ladder with and they win fast. So uh, if you're running a deck like that, yeah, you probably want the ring. Um, and it probably gives a lot of people, uh, again, that psychological dissatisfaction when you're on the ladder because I'm trying to ladder fast, so I'm playing that deck, and my opponent's trying to ladder fast, so they're playing that deck. Um, so it, it exacerbates it. But yeah, I mean, to, I mean, to answer your question, like right now, supposedly there's a pretty general consensus that like Token Mage is one of, if not the best decks in the game. So if we had a tournament today and I was playing Token Mage and I didn't know what my opponent was playing. Uh, I, w- I would pick going first because my data says that's better. That's interesting because like some of the most overpowered starts for tokens have been my experience because I remember that one tournament where I brought a token crusader which is a little different but like I got the ring like six games in a row when I got cast the two rounds and I just like absolutely did things I'm not proud of to my opponents that like everyone in chat was like oh there's CVH getting the ring in pit line again guess the game is over and like the game was over <laughs> at that point like, yeah. it did not feel very fun or interactive to quote the podcast but like that's because like i think the only decks that i would is it's sort of an interesting contingency i would choose the ring uh cross all aggro and mid-range decks 
and I would choose going first if I was Control Mage or like a similar control deck, like Control Mage, Alter Assassin, or Control Scout. But I would have to be up against another control deck because if I'm a if I'm a Control Mage against Aggro, then I think like turn three Hive Defender, turn five Ice Storm, or like my Power Spike turns where I can do something that gets me far ahead. And if I have to wait a turn on either of those, I might lose. And like if I'm Tokens. I can just turn two pit line. If I'm mid range green, I just turn one skulker trader, turn two slayer, daggerfall. I just think those are like, like obviously the stats might say they don't happen as much, but like when they happen, they are just like, yeah, you feel good, crushing. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's that whole like it feels good, right? And so that's mm-hmm. that whole psychological last point. It's just like, look, I I hate hitting on sixteen, right? It's the mother in law hand. Uh, uh, no, excuse me. That's seventeen, right? Seventeen. That's the mother-in-law hand. Like, I don't yeah. I want. I don't want to sit at seventeen because I know that's a loss, and I don't want to hit on sixteen because I know that's a loss. But like, you do it in blackjack because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Um, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the same thing here. Um, but again, like, well, I, there, I, there I live and die by my data, so. There are, there are people on Reddit, I don't know if it's like valid, valid or anything, I don't know if the validity of this data is, but there are people who are saying that their own data over a few months says the ring is a little bit favored for them. And I have no idea what they're playing either. Again, I'm curious, Direwolf's data, if it comes from everyone, because like, I could I could tell you guys that a lot of decks that I go 70% with are good, but I really do not think that some of them are like competitively. I queue up decks on the ladder that I would never queue a similar power level on Hearthstone, and I have really good win rates with them. So like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm just not... I don't I don't value my own data at all right now. It hasn't been that way for months. So like I'm curious if they're just taking like every single game all the way down to rank twelve because I don't think a rank ten player in this game uses the ring appropriately. I don't think their deck is built to take advantage of it. I don't think they know what like tempo is. And I'm willing to bet there's like way more games being played rank five to twelve. But like obviously your personal data is from five to legend every season, so yours is, is super valid because you're playing at the highest level possible on the ladder currently. Yeah. So That'd be an interesting sample size, too. And, I mean, the part of it, too, is, like, I don't even think my sample size is big enough, right? And I certainly Mm -hmm. don't think that my data is law, but it's the only thing that I have to work with. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think my sample size is big enough, but it's all I got. And that's also why I've been trying to do it over the course of the year. Because even, like, a one-month snapshot, like, I mean, what do you play, you know... um, you know, I, I don't play nearly as much as everybody else because of my two jobs, right? So, like, I average, like, 150, maybe 200 games tops uh, a season uh, right now. There were seasons prior where I would hit, like, three or 400. Um, but even somebody, you know, if you play, like, 500 games in a season, I don't I don't even think that's a big enough sample size by itself. So I think that you kind of have to take that, uh, like, long-term, over-time approach uh, if you don't have a big sample size. I feel like... Somebody will have to do the research for me. Uh, but I feel like I thought I remember Direwolf saying that they have the ability and have in the past uh, even pared it down to like uh, just stats at Legends, stats, uh, I think they even said uh, right, as high as right. like top 100 uh, at one point. Um, but I also know that people like uh, Link uh, said he tracked for like 200 games he found going first was better for him. Um, PDMD said he tracked and he had a higher win rate going second but he felt that the difference between second and first was marginal um and in all honesty here's the thing like uh there's two things that i want to get out of this and like all of my ring conversations um the first is that i'm not trying to say that like going first is correct what i'm trying to say when i mention these things is that the ring is just balanced enough right like at the end of the day all of our arguments about the ring whether it's good or bad are are really just like what is the acceptable level of like margin of error right and if 
you know, I have a 5% swing one way and CVH has a 5% swing the other way. If we make a change, right, we're, we're balancing uh, Jenga style, right? We're going to pull something out that might totally destabilize everything. If we make a change, we have to be pretty damn sure that we're making that gap get smaller. And if it's not getting smaller, then what's the point, right? At the end of the day, yeah. like, why make a change if it's not going to actually be better and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that other people have different data than me. I would expect it. And like, oh, that's the way statistical models work. They don't, uh, you know, all follow, <laughs> uh, real life doesn't follow the models, right? Um, simulations are based on like the perfect outcome, but then when you do things in real life, you'll see um, things shift one way or the other. There's margin of error, et cetera. So like, I would expect all those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's highly likely that, like balance is stupid, right? Like, honestly, it's it sounds bad, but like balance is kind of stupid. You don't want to balance something perfectly or it becomes boring. It's highly likely that the ring does impact in a way. Like if you take the thousands and thousands and thousands of games that have been played throughout an entire season, maybe ring or no ring won a thousand more overall. But that's like not noticeable to the average eye, right? The average human person isn't going to see that. But it's highly likely that that is impacting the game. But a first rune prophecy has a bigger percentage of impact. Like how many times first rune Mystic Dragon? That's going to change the game more than the ring, probably, or a specific right. matchup coming into the queue. Like all these things, all none of those are balanced. Obviously, you can't control your matchups. You can't control prophecies. You can't control the ring. None of it's balanced. So it just all has to coexist in a way that doesn't make you feel like you have no control over the outcome. You know, sometimes well, in Hearthstone, that's... you can feel like getting the going first and a good matchup and a good curve, like your opponent just doesn't feel like there's a game. You know, it has to feel like there's a game somewhere in there. That's kind of like where my, like whenever a post gets uh, put on Reddit, like I start to get concerned, right? Is that it seems like this, the, the ring issue is, it, it's never like, despite countless players tracking their own games and the data almost uniformly showing the same thing that matches up with what Direwolf Bethesda says, like, uh, it just seems like people get really emotionally embroiled in like their opinion on it, and it seems like it, it is has a negative impact on their experience of the game, right? Like, like it seems like losing to a turn one Goblin Skulk is so much more memorable than the three times you beat the turn one Goblin Skulk, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and like reducing that feel bad feeling, like in a, in Magical Fantasy Land, would be like the ideal outcome for me. Um, but like, I mean, like I, I. I've tracked my own data just like everyone else, and like I win more when I play first. So I like, I, I find it difficult to understand why we're still having the same discussion uh, if the player base is the same. So that means the player base is growing and the game's doing well. Go team. Yeah, I mean we're having the discussion because well, Reddit's growing <laughs> but because because of a couple yeah. of things. But I don't think that the discussion will ever go away because of the core mechanics of the game. So. Even if the ring had one charge, you're probably going to have people that are still going to say that the ring is strong because we play a game where the attacker gets to choose targets, right? Just like Hearthstone. It's not like Magic where the blocker gets to decide assignments. Uh, in this game, the attacker chooses targets. That means the attacker is in control. They're dictating the tempo of the game, the pace of the game. Um, they have initiative. That's the way I like to describe it, right? So Yeah. In any game where you have that as a core mechanic, being on the board first in a meaningful way, mind you, uh, is important. And the general consensus right now is that most of the one drops are just not super meaningful. 
uh, in yep. the game. So two drop is like your magic number. And so even if the ring had one charge, you're going to have people who feel like they're behind the eight ball right out of the gate because they are playing from behind. Um, you also, uh, you know, I don't want to like say get good scrub or anything, but you do have those people who have a game plan when they go into a game, right? And if their game plan is like, I'm playing an aggressive mid-range deck and I'm not interested in trading or securing board position or anything, and they don't have the ring and they just try to race their opponent, it's probably not going to work out, right? So there's also that level of like understanding, you know, do I have initiative? Am I the beat down? Am I trying to play for control? Like there's a lot of factors in my mind that have the potential to like impact people's opinions on the ring and, you know, whether they're using it appropriately or not, whether they're uh, not even using the ring appropriately, but just making the appropriate calls based on the state of the game. Um, but yeah, like initiative in this game and in any game where the attacker uh, is choosing targets and things like that puts them in the driver's seat and it's it's powerful. Um, doesn't mean that it's like broken game deciding necessarily, but it certainly is going to impact people's feelings about how things play out. Do you think that's a fundamental yes. flaw when compared to systems like Magic? Well, I mean, sure, but I don't know how you address something like that. Somebody has to go first, right? Ring or not, one way or the other, somebody has to go first, somebody will have board position first, and somebody will then have to figure out how they cope with that. Um, no, I, I can appreciate that, but I was actually referring to the idea of initiative in games where the attacker decides how to assign combat damage. Oh, well, I mean... Like, obviously, it's too late to change yeah. the way Legends works. Um, but, like, do you think a more... I mean, is just, I guess, generally better, more utility for, you know, producing system one where Defender chooses? It just creates a different system. I mean, that's one of the reasons that Magic plays out so differently is because um, when when I'm playing Control in Magic or even in certain, like, mid-range mirrors or whatever the case may be, um, when you're behind you still have the opportunity to try to develop resources to get back ahead. Whereas right. in this game, if you're behind, I can play something and my opponent just value trades into it, and then the next turn I play something and they value trade. You know, you can't sacrifice life, essentially, for board position like you can in Magic. In Magic, you can just choose to take the extra four to the face, knowing that you right. have a better position next turn. Um, right. It's... It, I don't know if it's a better design. It just it makes the games play out wildly different. So it's right. it's kind of hard to to judge it. I can One appreciate that. I was interesting, and in, uh, I mean, you know, Duel Masters Charmer, but in Duel yeah. Masters, they sort of had a hybrid between defender and attacker choice. I, I think Duel Masters did a lot right. They did like everything outside the gameplay wrong, but besides that, uh, like the kaiju, like you had certain cards that had blocker. Those could block. It's like magic, <laughs> everything can block. Only certain things could block. But when you attack with a creature it becomes tapped. And then when you attack with creatures, you can only attack your opponent directly or tapped creatures. So like you're choosing when you become the proactive attacker, you're making things vulnerable as well, which can then give your opponent more options when their turn it comes around to be proactive. So it has a sort of interesting dynamic. But like I also think people underestimate the importance of the secondary lane and the prophecies in this game because a lot of people do come over from Hearthstone or Magic and those things don't exist, right? There's one board, one player, uh, prophecy, like mm -hmm. random shit doesn't really happen. In, well, random shit happens in Hearthstone <laughs> in particular. But... <laughs> 
Not not usually when you attack the hero. That's like the one safety net. It's like, oh, I can go face. Thank God, no random effects are happening. But like, yeah, I don't think three ring charges would be okay at all if we didn't have a secondary lane in the rune system, right? Like, if you just said to me in Hearthstone, hey, you're going to have one less card, but you get three coins. Like, absolutely, let's go, man. Yeah, every, like, every, every single day you take time. That. Right, Absolutely. Right. But like, what's the difference, right? The only real difference is not the card design because there are powerful three drops in this game that are comparable to their powerful three drops, powerful two drops, maybe even better than some of their powerful two drops. I don't think it's that different. It's that you can fight back another lane. And sometimes when my opponent goes ring two, ring three, ring four, I can be like, okay, this is pretty awful. Hope I get a prophecy. And I have five possible attempts, which will not immediately help me if it's not the first prophecy but they will give me free tempo which is kind of what the ring does so like it, there there are options there and i'm not saying prophecies always feel good and the ring doesn't always feel good a game like that can turn into it can go from i'm feeling bad i'm getting curved out on to they're feeling bad they hit a prophecy but at the end of the day it does even out the win rate even if the ring goes nuts yeah. prophecies can also go nuts it, yeah it's funny that's actually what i love about the game like the things that get kind of bitched about the most in this are all of the things i think i enjoy the most because of those like <laughs> unexpected tempo swings like let, let, let's be honest gang all card games are at their, at their core are variants thrown in our face and then we do our best to optimize against it right the, yeah the and test prophecies of skill, are cool yeah the test of skill is in your micro decisions that you make throughout the course of a game when something uh you know occurs and how you plan for them and things like that and prophecies and things like that create that ebb and flow uh, and that back and forth, and that's that's what I love about this game. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I always advocated. The reason I wanted the tournament scene was just so I could see like this big couple thousand dollar finals being broadcast live on Twitch, and that's admirables in the casting booth. Someone gets a prophecy. Oh, that's a huge draw. You know, that's the kind of moment yeah. that gets the people going. Right. You know, it, 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 it's interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I. I it, it feels like some cards are designed for highlight reels, right? Like I think of Mundestone, which is you know sees some play, uh, but you know is is there for those big moments. And I've always thought of the prophecy system as like the big moment creator in the tournament scene potentially. It's true, and it's such a bad first impression for a lot of players. Like whenever the sponsored streams happen, people like that's the first thing. Uh, prophecies, they look like all RNG, but it it really is a thing that it's a necessary. Like, I guess they were probably hesitant to put it in the game because they knew the kind of negative impressions, but you just give it a chance, you know? Just give it a little bit. Just give it a week, and then tell me how you feel about prophecies, because by that time, you've had really good moments and really bad moments, and you kind of realize that it evens out. I always right. enjoy the evolution of a new player and their response to prophecies. Because, the, like, mm -hmm. there's, there's, like, stages of acceptance. There's, okay, what the fuck just happened? And then it's, okay, they're broken, but whenever that comes up, you can always tell what stage they are and they're figuring it out because they're like, Piercing Javelin's the most dumb card in the game, right? Right, yep. right, right, and right. And every time in my head, I'm like, oh, you just wait, because Piercing Javelin's like one of those cards that actually, especially when they're like a first rune Piercing Javelin. Well, first rune Piercing Javelin probably just took out like a two drop, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's not that big of a deal. Um, and then like, there's that level of intellectual, okay, really it's the Mystic Dragon or the old school Moonlight Werebat. Because to me, the prophecies where you get board presence and do something, Cloudrest Illusionist is like my biggest bane right now, um, yeah. are like the real swings. Yeah, yeah. Like anything that can two for one. Yeah. I totally agree. Problem. So what, what do you think? I mean, just sort of sort of on this topic what do you think are the best design prophecies for the health of the game 
Me right now? Yeah, both of you. Uh, probably like Moon Moonlight Werebats an example of a good creature, but if it was a four three, it still would be an example of a terribly designed prophecy. <laughs> right, they, right. It became like from a really really shitty card to like, oh okay, this is a cool card because. It also accentuates something, yeah, as much as I love Javelin, I think it's one of the coolest cards in the game that should always be in rotation if they do rotations, which we kind of glossed over, but, like, whereabouts a card that you actually think about whether or not you want to include it nowadays? That's weird, right? Like, it does have right. downsides. Like, you get it off a of prophecy, it has a very specific kind of purpose. It's obviously good as a prophecy, less good in your hand, but it doesn't two-for-one very much at all, you know, Enraged Mudcrab takes it down with relative ease so right. i like i like cards like that you know cloud rest's main problem for me is that like if cloud rest illusionist was a 4-2 i think it'd be perfectly designed but when i was sort of petitioning direwolf for card changes i had one nitpicky change and i thought the thieves guild tr- recruit change was more prominent yeah. <laughs> reducing my but uh cloud rest is like a 4-2 would be perfect to me like you'd st- every are you playing cloud rest right now would you still play it as a 4-2 i'm pretty sure we'd play it as yeah. a 4-2 <laughs> like, absolutely like if, if anything absolutely. for me i think that the biggest thing that feels weird about cloud rest is that it's the best defensive and offensive prophecy in that color right like i feel like it yeah. should pick a side i would almost feel better yeah, if it was like a, like if it was like a two four or something right because it it's either like i'm using this as a combat trick or like defensive but yeah like i also shouldn't then be able to trade up into like four and five drops after the fact as well like it's yeah, yeah. If you compare it to constructed playable Mystic Dragon, which often two for ones, which is the reason it's good as a prophecy, you know, you'll get it as a prophecy, you'll attack something, and then they'll have to invest another point of damage somehow, or maybe two points into it to kill it. Well, that's it's a pretty good deal, especially if you're getting it for free. Cloudrust pops out, removes the damage it's incoming, right. will probably two for one against most aggro decks, right. and if it's in your hand, you're like, oh... Well, I can probably plus one off of the summon because I can trade favorably, and then it'll also still yeah. two for one. Like it just does that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of really good. I I know that I'm yeah. gonna catch some flack for this answer, Justin, but I actually think yeah. that Lightning Bolt is one of the best design prophecies in oh, the game. Oh man, after my own heart, Lightning Bolt's my favorite card. Did you know that? Uh, that I didn't, but it's it's one of my favorite cards. Um, yeah. Here's why I, I like appreciate Lightning that. Bolt. Yeah. Um, I think that it's okay to have certain cards that ubiquitous that are ubiquitous and kind of like center around like I think it's safe to say for much of the game's existence lightning bolt defines what's playable right think yeah. about cards like Brynjolf that go from unplayable to playable because of one health tick because of lightning bolt you need like that kind of barometer in a game um, I also really enjoy lightning bolt because of the fact that it is uh, both offensive and defensive um, I, I love, this, this is another thing I want to say about like prophecies in general, right? Most new players reaction when they, when they see prophecies is they're like, oh, this is a great defensive tool, but in no way, shape or form in any of the time I've ever talked with anybody from Direwolf, read anything from Direwolf, seen like anything official, have I heard them say prophecy is a defensive mechanic. They've never come out and said it, right? It's mm-hmm. a tempo mechanic. I think that's why I enjoy that decks like Prophecy Battle Mage exist. I would like to see the runes uh, in the game used as a resource more, both offensively and defensively, and cards like Lightning Bolt uh, promote that, right? Um, It's one of those very simple but elegant cards that just does so much for the game that you almost take it for granted. I I love Lightning Bolt now, but it's (laughs) one of the... It's one of the cards that takes the longest, I think, as a new player to, like, find acceptable. 
And I mean, like, for me, Lightning Bolt is it's a great learning tool because, I mean, yeah, you get, like, your four life and you lose to Lightning Bolt and it, you feel bad, but then you're like, wait a minute, they were going to draw that next turn anyway. <laughs> it's like, okay. But, like, it also teaches a new player about, yeah, this card is good because it removes things, but it can also go face. It protects and it can do all these kind of things. And then, like, you actually get to playing it and over the course of weeks and months, you're like, all right, I found out I used Lightning Bolt last turn. If I had not used it, it's, it's so versatile. Like, maybe you get it as a prophecy and you don't want to use it. Like, for such a card, you know, it just literally says deal four damage. That's that's really it. For for three words, it has a lot of different utility. And to touch on chat, someone said, you hate Clouders because it's offensive and defensive, but like Lightning Bolt because it's offensive and defensive? No, no, no. Because, like, all prophecies can be offensive and defensive. You can use a jab offensively or to stay alive. You can use a lurking crocodile to trade or go face. But You I can hate... use a lurking mummy yeah. to kill somebody. <laughs> you ab- you actually can. They made Ring yeah. of Imaginary Might just for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, my whole problem is that like when when it's used offensively and defensively, it's too efficient. Lightning Bolt is really, really versatile, but it's never like, oh wow, that lightning bolt was absurd. Like it's just it's gonna deal four damage every time. Cloud Rest Illusionist frequently blocks damage in two for ones. Never ever has a lightning bolt ever like from hand just two for one it doesn't kill two things ever if your opponent stacks a steel scimitar on something it might two for one in value but a lightning bolt deals four damage it's static if if you are an aggro player and you break the first rune and it's lightning bolt you're like whoo glad that wasn't cloud rest illusionist because that would have two for one (laughs) or if you're an aggro player heaven forbid it's like dank harvester you know what i mean yeah and before everybody's like laughs and says that's unplayable you guys apparently haven't ran into Inez on the ladder recently um dark harvester Dude, is a real card it mentioned. does see play and it is yeah. the most obnoxious one to run into that's not named cloud rest illusionist in my opinion Dude, dark harvester is a powerful card man <laughs> If we had a competitive scene, we'd see more Dark Harvesters because Paulo Vitor played the Prophecy Control Mage, which is like the worst deck to queue into ever because it just sucks to play against. Like the yeah. 33 Prophecy Control Mage, he played that at the, the Grand Melee and made like top eight or something. <laughs> but I was still, I was, I asked him, I was like, "What'd you play?" He's like, "Oh, Prophecy Control Mage." I was like, Ugh. "Yeah, let's not spread that one around." Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Cloud Rest is like, I mean, honestly, Cloud Rest and Dark Harvester out of the first turn are kind of similar, right? Like they both, they both right. technically heal you for four if you can get Cloud Rest effect on an incoming creature, and right. a four three and a two four, they both trade really effectively. The fact that Cloud Rest is a four drop that does right. what Dark Harvester does essentially from a first rune is like. Right. You just never want to see it. I, I want to know my win rate as an aggro deck against first rune Cloud Rest. It's probably yeah. just straight up dumpster. I'm sure it probably like, is. I, I love too that like. Dark Harvester didn't get played like the first six months of the game. <laughs> or not Dark Harvester, Cloud Rest Illusionist. Yeah. Yeah, it I mean... My... Wow. I don't remember seeing it anywhere until 2017. To be fair, uh, we had 4-3 Werebats, though. That's fair, and, that's true. And the power level yeah. of Archer and just agility in general was so much stronger then that the the presence of illusionist by itself wasn't enough to draw you into playing that you know what i mean like i think there are other factors that were suppressing its value i mean it's it's that same thing as like supreme atromancer right like nine cost supreme atromancer existed for a long time but that's true with old school control mage and then archer running around like who cared you Do you think maybe it's yellow decks too? I don't think people realized Hoffinger was good, but like if you realize Hoffinger's good, you look at Cloud Rust and you're like, huh, he's probably going the same deck. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably helps. That's fair. Um, 
do you think that uh, it's a testimony then to like the really well balanced uh, pool of cards we have that um, small changes like we saw to the green cards um, in uh, the spring of 2017 uh, making cloud dress more popular more prominent and stuff like that small changes like that can like immediately make cards that have flown under the radar into staples yeah I think that's great yeah, I think it's just I, good. I mean, we just had it uh, happen again, right? I always say that in this game, um, one health or one attack makes a mile of difference, and there's a big difference between two four and two five Thor and Hismage, and everybody's realizing that now. And there was a big difference in Thief yeah. of Dreams. Um, there yep. was a big difference in Brynjolf. Um, like one one attack or one health in in either direction can oftentimes vastly change how effective a card is and that to me says that the game is very well balanced now thorn his mage they, they went they went in on thorn his mage i was kind of surprised they went in as hard as they did but i was i was thinking they might do what a lot of people suggested which was reduce the attack value by one like make it a one five that becomes a two five immediately instead of a three five immediately now that would have hurt but it wouldn't have hurt as much i, I don't think i well i think that the problem with doing something like that though is that at five health um cards that you've developed on board to that point against that matchup likely don't one for one into it very well so like, yeah so true. you yeah. you gain uh, like the the stall of a turn and a half if you will plus the ramp whereas by taking it to four health now your young mammoths and your mournhold traders and thief of dreams back again right like all those cards can now trade into it and then kind of continue to let you just to snowball where i to me i've always said i uh, even like long before scout was uh, everybody's issue like the five health on that was what made that card the all-star that it was mm -hmm. sort of necessitated a uh cloud resolutionist in hand from your opponent <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then even still right like you even if you have the cloud rest to have your creatures survive um you likely had to spend two attacks into it to get rid of it when it had five health right right, right. to me that's the that's the thing so four health means you know, you can crash one creature into it and continue through, and that, uh, I mean, obviously it hurts it, right? It severely hurts its right. power level, but it was really, for the effect that you got, like, when you compare that to, like, what Treeminder gives you uh, at three costs, like, it's night and day, right? Absolutely. That makes sense. So we've been doing the we've been doing the discussion part for a while, and towards the end of the show, we like to open it up to the people in chat, and uh, you guys can ask us anything you want uh, about any topic, legends, other games we play, personal lives, recipes, whatever is on your mind, and uh, we'll get interactive. So prepare your prepare your ideas and comments and questions. Yeah, prepare prepare your. Never mind, I won't yep. finish that. <laughs> you absolutely have to. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I was just, I was thinking, so I, I don't know how many people are uh, nerds and also sports fans like myself, because I nerd out about all things in my life. Um, one of the former uh, executive members of the San Francisco 49ers, and so again, he doesn't work for the organization now, but uh, he said publicly about contract negotiations coming up for Jimmy Garoppolo that he would walk in with a jar giant jar of Vaseline to the agent's office and say please be gentle and uh, obviously with the political climate and un unwanted advances and things being popular and it being in a town 
known for the LGBT community, right? San Francisco, uh, he's catching a large amount of flack for that, right? So. You're right, CVH. You really didn't need yeah. to. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good call. Awesome. My favorite part of that story was. Uh, with the harassment and stuff being popular. <laughs> well, you know. It's a popular thing nowadays. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's in style. It is. I mean, you know, it sounds entirely ridiculous to, to say it that way, but it's also sadly kind of like not wrong. It's not that it's not... Yeah, no, it, yeah. it, it's not that it's not uh, bad all of the time, right? Like, let's be honest. Let's Real talk, like, jokes off. Don't molest <laughs> or rape people, okay? Like... Can we just not fucking rape people? Sir, there's my you, there's my demonetization, no, right? Don't fucking okay. rape people. It's not okay. If, if you if you if you clip that, you'll see me laughing because you said jokes off and I immediately started laughing and then it was super serious and I was too late. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Dude, jokes me off. too. I'm trying so hard here. Don't fucking rape people. But but that being said, even though those things are inappropriate all the time, it's like only now hitting the news cycle for when it should just be the sort of thing that's all the time right like don't i don't know i get really worked up about weird stuff sometimes nah dude i hear you we've talked about bitcoin people were like people ask me it's like tough being a content creator because like you know all, uh, i don't know some complain about like oh there's this whole pc culture and like don't you have to watch what you say a lot and i'm like not really, you know. I'm a normal right. person, so like I don't really have to, like. Exactly, I, 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 dude, I totally know what you're talking about, actually, man. Because but, like, like, aren't you worried? Like, fuck, no, I'm not. Like, yeah. should I be? There's this like, everyone's like, oh, watch out, there are cops in the area. Like, why would I be worried about that? I'm not breaking the law. <laughs> right. I don't exactly. feel inclined to go ten over the speed limit because I know it's probably not okay. Wow. And I don't want to hit someone. Just like I could say a bunch of shit, and like sometimes I do think things that shouldn't be said. But I also have like a mouth that's not constantly just spewing every thought in like the most vulgar way possible. Because at the end of the day, just a little bit of empathy goes a long way, you know. Absolutely. Like, well, you shouldn't shouldn't police yourself based on other people's feelings. Like, shit, did you watch Mr. Rogers? It's pretty much the whole point, you know. <laughs> Like, do yeah, you live probably... in a functional society? Like, what is wrong with I'm, you? I'm a little concerned right now, because... Yeah, I don't even know. Well, no, the reason I'm concerned is, like, like <laughs> I'm the guy with a wife and two kids, right? Yeah, I would, yeah. in theory, potentially be the most family-friendly, just from that alone, and yet nobody has ever asked yeah, me that. Yeah, that's not true. So, <laughs> so I'm wondering if maybe, uh, maybe I'm the degenerate of the group, because nobody ever says, like, hey, do you have to police yourself? Yeah, I mean, look, the one say. the one policy I have is that, like, I don't apply to my interpersonal communication with friends and stuff with content creation is, like, don't say anything that might get me fired. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> because, like, yeah, like CVH said, man, like, I don't, in any aspect of my life, say the kind of horrible, obnoxious, like, a shit that people on the internet say on the regular. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not difficult to avoid being a colossal dick. Like, just be yourself <laughs> it's like it's like weirdly accepted in gaming I and mean, card game communities i don't know about other gamings but it's like it's weirdly accepted because we all know these games have some level of variance and like we're gonna get upset and we all know that when you get upset you don't say everything we mean but like you know you see all kinds of shit like being thrown around on the internet and like you know yeah. at a certain point i'm just done with it right like if i get asked a question in a really obscure like 
just fucking off the cuff insulting way like you know at, at a certain point i just stopped responding to them or i respond kind of sarcastically to like let you know hey this is probably not okay and I'm, I'm not trying to police you i just think we should probably stop accepting like oh he lost to a prophecy he's gonna come on reddit and call his opponent things that i'm not gonna say and call the game other things that i'm not gonna say you know that should probably it just gives a bad look man i don't want to see that shit and i'm used to it you know i don't think a new player wants to see it either yeah uh good chat i agree with you guys both (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's yeah yeah well all right so the (laughs) the interactive part of the podcast yeah I, uh, I scrolled up so that we could potentially not miss some of them. So uh, we, I saw one that was, uh, they wanted to talk about the poor wording or card interactions, like how sheer point says reduce when lay down arms says set. Yeah. And I think that's a softball one, so go. Wait, who? What? I, mean, I don't have it's an opinion like, on this. It's not, <laughs> I guess it's not very intuitive. I mean, it makes sense like when you think about it or you've played 10 million games of Legends like we have. But uh, yeah, I mean, it could be clearer. Or it, they could just remo- remove the interaction. Um, so for me... Hey, I, Justin, I, Justin, did you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah, absolutely. I love that show. I'm, I'm worried what you heard was summon <laughs> a couple of Golden Saints... What I meant was all summon all the golden saints. <laughs> all of the golden saints. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so for me, um, it would be nice if it uh, said reduce on lay down arms, but the reason that they cannot is because there are creatures that don't have an attack of one. So if I lay down arms Balmora. on a Balmora Spymaster, um, I'm setting its attack to one at that point, and so I think that they're leaning on the intelligence of our player base to understand that if something has four health and I set it to one, that that is indeed a reduction, and thus reduction uh, affects trigger. But, Man, well, there is there is mistake number one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, can I pick a question? I found a really interesting one. Yeah, you are up? definitely allowed to do that. All right, Mac Milanov said, "What's the way of fixing ladder where a good win rate matters instead of just picking Crusader and going face over and over?" And personally, I think a good win rate absolutely matters. I just think like it matters at after Legend. Like getting to Legend is just a matter of every single win and every single loss is exactly the same quantifiable difference. You get one star or you lose a star. I mean, bonus rounds notwithstanding. But yeah, it's true. There, there, the time matters. But a win rate also matters. But like once you hit Legend. Like, if you ever try to grind in top 50, you'll see that, like, your win rate needs to be pristine. You know, a 66% win rate over four hours got me from 18 to 14. That shit is not time effective. I need to go better than 66% if I really want to get the top 10, and I don't want to be up all night. So at that point, like, you just have to make something... Honestly, it sounds really really shitty again, comparison, like, whatever. You just have to do something to make people want to make that push right because right now if you try to get top 50 it's pretty easy because not a lot of people are pushing for it but if you make it so a bunch of people are doing that then yeah yeah i think it because like i know said he finished three times number one with prophecy control mage possibly the slowest deck in history because he knows the win rate is the most important thing and he thought it could get there you know it's not as fast as aggro he could probably play five aggro games in the time of one of those but you just have to you just have to do something and make like the, the legend ranking matter because all over legend is just based on your MMR. So it's all about your win rate. After legend, it doesn't really matter how fast your games are going unless your win rate's also really good. Sergeant Hall Monitor asks, what is the color of night? <laughs> These are the kinds of questions I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, I think that Knight is represented in cards by Endurance, both because it's purple and it makes sense, but also because Endurance is the home of like the, the creepy guys, you know, the undead and stuff like that. Generally speaking, the color of Knight, you know, can be dark blue, can be gray, can be white, if you think of the moon as the most, you know, noteworthy thing in the night. I think I, you can make an ar- argument for like forest green being the color of night, depending where you live. I don't think that night has a color. Night shadow is purple. There you go. Oh. Uh, Ector93 asks, what do you think about soul tear being nerfed so that creatures brought back get banished after they die again? I feel like we just kicked scout in the nuts and like they could use a break. It might have been fine to suggest, like, over the Hiss Mage nerf, but, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, honestly, okay, with Soul Terry, just gotta, just gotta design, I don't know, like, shit, it's turn million, yeah. play another part of the next, go for it. Yeah, I guess for me... You're not, you, all right, so here's an unpopular opinion, you guys want to stop Parthenax loops? Everyone wants to play Hollow Death Priest. No one wanted to play Mummify a month ago. Just, just play... <laughs> I, I, got, I got Hollow Death Priest at four times as Scout. And then I drew Parthenax and I played it, and then I played it six more times. Just play Mummify. Like, what if what happens if I draw it and I play it? What are you gonna do? Like, you gotta you gotta have an answer for that if you're going to turn thirty. Right. <laughs> you gotta know I'm gonna fucking do that. <laughs> or like, legitimately just put fucking Wabajack in or something. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. do something. Every because of yeah. Wabajack being neutral, every class has the option if that's what your concern is. Or you can I mean, just this... accept that you're supposed to beat it before it gets there and not fucking worry about it. But, like, every class has an answer. It's it's kind of, inter- like, hilarious, and I guess, in a way, that there was, like, the the the, the posts that were about uh, Scout and the obnoxious stuff it does on, like you said, turn 30 uh, are now all over Reddit about Control Mage oh, and yeah. Support Mage, right? It's like, I, I mean... There's going to be a deck that if you don't seal the deal before they, you know, do their thing, like, you're going to lose because they have the best end game. And right now that's support mage, control mage. Like, but here's the thing, though, like, a lot of things, like, obviously the Parthenax, I think I can justify that being okay. Honestly, people lose to it. It's salty or whatever. But the 7-7 seven, seven giant bats is interesting because if you're in a control versus control or ramp versus ramp game... Those giant bats essentially mean you have three non-cards in your deck. Like, they're really, really low impact, and I don't think you ever want them. And, like, even in an aggro matchup, you have the giant bats, but you have to put one in the discard pile. Soul Tear itself is kind of clunky in your hand unless you've already stabilized. You have to level up the Soul Tear, and that sounds pretty easy, but then you realize, shit, I kind of have to level up Drain Vitality first. And then, like, maybe then I just have a level one Soul Tear. I don't really think it's a problem. You know, it's a lot of cards that you're forced to include just for this one really swingy stabilization tool that has to be played after you've already dealt with the board. So, like, I've never really minded it that much. And I've lost to 7 7 bats. It's just never really felt like that oppressive. It felt good. Not yeah. oppressive. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I just don't like losing to charge creatures in general. But yeah, it's uh, not great. Lovely, <laughs> Justin. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I should change my name to Chargemer. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would really dramatically improve our relationship. <laughs> um, I also want to just point out, like, this is gonna maybe come as a shock because I know a lot of people probably came in after Skyrim, right? But one of the number one most requested game mechanics period before Heroes of Skyrim came out was the ability to interact with your graveyard in a meaningful way. 
That's mm-hmm. true. It was That's one true. of the most requested things. And I know that I was on that bandwagon myself. Like, when I played Magic, one of my favorite decks when I very first started playing the game was the old Buried Alive deck with, like, Ashen Ghouls and uh, Nether Spirits and whatever, right? Like, I love graveyard interaction. It's a cool thing. It was requested a lot. And then we got it, and everyone went what the fuck, I don't I don't want you getting into the graveyard ten times, this needs to go away. And then I also thought it was funny that, like, then we revealed Memory Wraith, and everyone went, this is too much, and where's that yeah. now, right? Like... Right. Memory I read about like that a... one, but I was wrong about a couple others. <laughs> I was definitely wrong about a couple others. Memory Wraith's legacy is going to be our awesome reveal. <laughs> yeah, so so speaking of which, uh, somebody did ask, I think it, it might have been Malibu Barbus, who again has one of the coolest names, um, yes. had asked when uh, we can expect another commercial from us. We have two that we've been talking about. One that uh, we hinted at earlier in the show. Or maybe, yeah, we did, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I don't know if we were on the air yet. <laughs> we were, <laughs> but, we were. Uh, I was just, you know, being coy. Uh, very nice. And, uh... Because Martin Luther King Day is Monday, we might have time to do that then. So, should be something next week. Oh, but yeah, so. while we're talking about Mimi shit videos, okay. I uh, I released a, a Mimi video that uh, you're all free to watch after the podcast over today on my channel. <laughs> the after party. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is one that I have a personal interest in. Uh, Griffin Gasp asks, "What is your workout routine?" IMCVH, and as a oh, yeah. fellow like meathead myself i'm kind of curious what your routine's like i was gonna ignore that or give a, a mimi answer i told someone trying to lose weight that they should just do like i think i suggested and this is something for you if you're finding yourself overweight but you can't stop playing legends i suggest having a workout routine based on the amount of prophecies you hit for example if you hit a prophecy do 10 push-ups if it's the first rune take a run around the block after the game <laughs> if you don't if you don't get the ring do 10 sit-ups i don't know something like that it'd be pretty miserable and you might just quit Legends and quit working out after that, but, I mean, that's a good <laughs> suggestion, right? No, that's a great <laughs> suggestion. Even if it's something as simple as, like, you know, uh, do a push-up for each loss throughout the course of a night, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. the first time you lose, you do one push-up. Then the second time you lose, you do two push-ups. The third time you lose, you th- do three push-ups. By the time you get to the point where you don't want to do push-ups anymore, it's probably time to quit anyway because you're tilting. Yeah, and then, like, you're in the Serpent, you make a Reddit thread, you're like, okay, I've been in the Serpent all night, nothing is working, but I'm shredded. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling good. When Absolutely. I punch my monitor now, it flies across the room, guys. <laughs> like, you really get my whole core behind it. But, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I actually got my personal trainer certification a couple of years ago. Like, it was enough. It was long enough ago that it has lapsed by now because I haven't used it. But uh, I just do like a pretty simple like four day split. I do back and bicep, a little bit of biceps with back, a little bit of triceps with chest. I have a shoulder day where I typically do some abs. Then I have leg day, and then depending on how hard that four day period was, I typically take a day off as I'm doing now. I actually am pretty bad about taking days off, but I, I mean I don't have like a set thing I do. Like there are certain core exercises like. Oh, I do bench presses or chest presses for chest. Uh, for legs, I'll do like squats or leg presses, but like I mix it up outside of like the main stuff. I just mix it up because I can. 
I don't go to. I don't, I'm not that guy in the in the gym with a notebook, you know. If yeah. I can't be asked to track my stats for the ring or not, then I definitely can't like be writing every shit down in the middle of sets, you know. I'm busy trying to like untangle my headset and like you know, yeah. figure out where I, mean, I set down my sweater I, or whatever. Not that anyone asked me, but uh, mine is similar. <laughs> though I typically only get, I try to aim for four, but I usually only get there three days a week because of the two jobs and wife and kids and everything else. Um, and I do track my stats. I use a mobile app because I also don't want to take a notebook. So I just use a mobile app and it's kind of nice because when I set my like rest in between uh, reps and stuff, like it'll give me a, a audio ding in my headphones, which is kind of nice. Like, um, But mine's really similar, except mine's jacked right now because I got to have surgery on my knee. So I'm, oh, no. I'm kind of in a bummer spot. But like, if you're trying to lose weight, uh, don't worry about tracking. Like, if, I yeah, assume no, a lot of no, people no. are trying to lose weight. Like, like I don't worry about whether or not you're your incline whatever the shit went up five pounds between weeks or whatever track your nutrition there are apps for that i see people doing it track your yes. calories track track everything you're eating nutrition abs are built in the kitchen and like track your time like you can control your nutrition you control like the time you spend doing a certain activity don't worry if like weight whatever like you're well don't obsess about your actual weight don't obsess about like the weight you're lifting if you're trying to lose weight that's yeah. about it yeah, I, I, I want to say that that's always the unpopular answer that I give. Uh, as somebody who lost 87 pounds, I can tell you 90% of that was tracking the food that I ate. Like, legitimately, it's just science. If you eat less than what you exert, right, energy in versus energy out, you'll lose weight. It's that simple. So diet matters way more when you're just trying to lose weight. You know, one time I walked past a gym... <laughs> And I kept walk- and I <laughs> and I kept walking. I'm surprised you're not ripped from all that time in the yard, man. Dude, I was in great shape when I got out, and I have not worked out like since. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. One time, I walked out to the gym, and there was a guy outside the gym, like waiting for his workout partner, his right or whatever. And I heard the Hearthstone collection sounds on his phone, and I was like, "Is that Hearthstone?" He's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Huh?" You know, I write for Tempo Storm, and he's like, "I don't know what that is," and I was like. All right, and then I went inside. And that was the whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, dude, I hear you. I hear you. That was good. We had a volunteer at work actually a couple months ago. Um, well, some a dude doing community service, and uh, he was sitting on our couch playing Hearthstone in, in the reception area. And I was like, "Oh, you, you you play card games on your phone?" And he was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You ever play Elder Scrolls Legends?" And he's like, "Like Skyrim?" And I was like, "It's nice to meet you, man." <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple friends trying to get other friends in Legends. It's easy for me because all my friends already play card games, so I can be like, oh, it's a great mechanical game. But like, <laughs> I guess if you're trying to get someone else into it, it yeah. might be a little strange. Yeah. There was some other... I mean, someone asked when me and Justin are going to fight. I don't know, but I fight dirty. Hey, how tall are you, I, CBH? I'm like six feet with hair gel. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things you can never tell with content creators how tall they are, right? Like, I assumed Charmer was going to be taller than me. Right? Yeah, no. How tall is he? I'm 5'9". Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I'm tiny. The baby. Here's the thing. That, <laughs> it's the really thing. deceptive, right? I, I am the tallest male on my mom's side of the family. Like, all of my uncles wow. and cousins are legit, like, 5'6 and under. Sounds like you come from one of those shithole countries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that's only the second time that like, you said that. Like, how tall are you, Justin? Uh, I'm 5'11". Okay, so we're about the same size. It'd be a pretty fair fight, I think. Yeah. But you have all those prison tactics. I just don't know my own strengths. I'd be wildly flailing around. 
Right. I mean, it'd be an interesting match. You're in much better shape. I have old age and treachery on my side. (laughs) Did you know that Justin used to be a pro wrestler and he actually has a patented finishing move? It is called the the pacifist. (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) That's pretty good, though. Oh. That's pretty funny. A lot of my friends play card games. Well, they're not your real friends, too, Eagles. You gotta... Right. Gotta step your friend game up. Honestly, it was easy for me because, like, I just... On, <laughs> I guess it did kind of start in middle school when I met friend Spencer. Because, like, I, I seriously overheard him talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. That was yeah. it. And, like, I was like, shit, I play that. We could play together sometime. And then we got into Duel Masters. We met Carl. And it was like, you know, then our friend group expanded naturally based around those friendships, those core friendships. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird wondering what would have happened if I had sat at a different lunch table. You know, honestly, Dude. it sounds silly, but, like, Wow. Like yeah. the butterfly effect, man. Dude, let me tell you what happens when you sit at the other lunch table. <laughs> Dude, uh, please, is this a prison story? Please don't. Dude, I don't even. Don't let uh, this be a prison story. Please let this be a, a charming Justin <laughs> middle school story. Well, no, I was going to answer Soldier Ron's question about why I went to prison with, <laughs> by saying okay. I sat at another lunch table where they were talking about doing dope, and I was like, these guys seem cool, and my friend group expanded. <laughs> Wait, for real? Is that, was that an actual lunch table experience? No, no. I mean, I started using. <laughs> I started using dope in middle school, but it wasn't at school. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. Okay. A soldier Ron, I uh, the specific crime was I was uh, I I did heroin, nodded off at the wheel of my car, and I hit a cop. <laughs> the correct answer, Justin, is we've discussed it on past podcasts and even t- uh, like shown your your record or whatever. Uh, That's true. So check out the past podcasts. Wink. Yes, you, you can find them on wherever the fuck Charmer puts them. <laughs> I actually don't put them anywhere. Uh, they're just... They're in the ether. Um, I legitimately can't even drink a beer without trying to fall asleep. It's just bad. Yeah. Uh, can't even do it. Well, I mean, that's, like, legit, though. It's a depressant and it's a sugar rush, like, at the same time. I'm right there with yeah. you. I have, like... I don't really... I, I do some beers, but I'm a big, like, hard cider fan. Doing, uh, we should do some beers together. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds so fucking dorky. Like, <laughs> like no, no, like, 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 just though, like, some crimes, the, just like <laughs> the, the first, the first time we all get together at a con, it's gonna be yeah. like we're gonna go out to like hang out, and everyone's gonna expect us to have this wonderful time, and the photos are gonna be Justin without a beer because he abstains, and me and CVH right. with one, and like passed out at the table because we're like lightweights or good times. I'm thinking like a really shitty Legends version of the King of the Hill opening sequence, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) We need to recreate that photo at some some convention. That'd be great. Hey, hey, somebody was mocking TSL at a convention, um, QuakeCon, I guess it's our unofficial one, that we're still going to try to force uh, our way to. (laughs) Yeah. We we got a, uh, a small nod towards getting ourselves into that, so... Oh, dude, shout out to that one tournament that actually did happen at a convention. I, I feel like we never bring that up when we talk about a competitive scene. That's because oh, yeah, we that don't want to draw attention to it. It's too that, late. That did happen one time, yeah. Yeah. One time. It happened twice. Did it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, the first time it was streamed. Yeah. The first time a friend of mine beat Trump on stream. Yeah. You can look that up. Yeah. Nice. You know who's going to beat Trump on stream next? Uh, oh, God. Robert Mueller. <laughs> 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 I knew it. <laughs> <sighs> oh. 
Do you, do you guys see, like, the Trump Trump the Hearthstone streamer legitimately named himself after Donald Trump, you know, it wasn't just an unhappy coincidence. He watched this Liberty Apprentice, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah no, that's that, an unfortunate mistake. That's that, what that is. That was, that's 100% true. Um, Real quick. Yeah. No, seriously, I heard him say it in an interview. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Two Eagles in chat who says he's 13 days sober. Like, congratulations, man, that's huge. And the first couple of weeks are, like, some of the hardest. So, like, keep up the good work. It's good. Uh, Texas tournament PTSD. I kind of feel like just living in Texas might cause post-traumatic stress. <clears throat> so, Dude, I tell you something though. I visited Austin once. Austin's really nice. I know yeah. like everyone else in Texas doesn't like Austin. It's like everyone in Austin doesn't think they're part of Texas, and everyone else in Texas doesn't think Austin's a part of Texas. So it kind of works out. But right, I flew to Austin because my friend worked at Facebook, and it was nice. And Facebook pretty, caters really good Mexican food. It's pretty hip, yes. yeah. It was really hip, yeah. So, uh, Anon, Anand Bon, I'm gonna slaughter this. Uh, uh, anonymous <laughs> Bon, uh, 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 anyway, I have a question. Is it possible uh, to make ladder viable, a ladder viable, uh, assembled deck? So basically, like fact totems, right? Like, that's what the question is. Yeah. Yeah, man, you can win with anything if you put enough heart into it. <laughs> no, he's, he's memeing, but he's not wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah. Look, yes, you can win with Factotums on ladder. Uh, Snacksy. Turquoise Link queued up and raged a mud crab at like number two legend, and he, I think he won a game or something. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Snacksy's done very uh, well with uh, an assassin version, and I've seen yeah. a couple of other people floating around with a crusader version uh, that is not terrible, so it can be yeah. done. Whether or not it's like ultra uber tier one, eh, probably not, but it can be done for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Do do do. Opinion. Uh. Genocide Giraffe wants to know our opinions on battle and treasure hunt mechanics. Battle in particular is pretty awesome. Treasure hunt's cool. It's a little like I don't know. It's a, obviously it's draw dependent. So like, eh. Like I'd rather them slap battle on a card than slap treasure hunt on another card. But they're both cool. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you can build around either but I don't think you're supposed to. Like, I don't the, mind that there's no treasure hunt deck. I just think, you know, it's something they could print on a card like Aldora, and you're like, oh, I could play this in some things. That's kind of cool. I, I accidentally proc'd a Ratway Prospector in Arena recently, and that was just the best. Yeah, yeah. that was a cool feeling, because it was like all of a sudden a 6-7. I didn't even realize I had that many supports in my deck until, like, boom, just happened. But Battle, Absolutely. you know, right now we've seen Battle on, like, Skyboard and Hunter Killers, and, like, those cards are kind of lackluster, but it's definitely the kind of card that lends itself to cool design on creatures and actions, and who knows what kind of stuff in the future. Definitely, um, I, I I think one of the things I like about the treasure hunt mechanic, the way it's designed, is the uh, little check mark it gives on the opponent's creatures when you draw, or I mean yours too. But I feel like that information currency like add, adds some interesting tension to the cards. Uh, that's the only like interesting observation I have about that mechanic, though. <laughs> yeah, I. I really enjoy Treasure Hunt for the fact that they they found a way to give creatures some sort of like inherent or ability or power level that wasn't based off of existing keywords and it didn't require any sort of new coding mechanics in the form of like an activation on the card. Like that's in many ways that's kind of what this is, right? Like they're giving you something that will cause some sort of a trigger, but they just kind of take control directly away from you on when it'll happen but then they let you control it based on uh deck building right um i'm not i'm not necessarily saying that it's like amazing but i i enjoy the opportunities that it affords for uh potential future development right 
Yeah. Um, Battle, I actually really like, and I'd like to see a lot more of it. In fact, uh, I think, and this hurts me saying this because I'm clearly known as, like, the charge guy, right? But I think that Battle is a better design mechanic than charge in a game like this. And... Um, right well, now, charge is a keyword, right? So, like, battle's yeah. kind of different. I mean, it's different, but I just mean in terms of power level, you know, I routinely say that, I, in my opinion, charge is the most powerful keyword in the game, and that's why so many of the creatures are understated with it, because of all of the things that it can represent and do. And battle, by only targeting creatures on the field, takes away that, like, reach portion. So it's interesting to me that creatures with battle are still facing the same like stat penalties that creatures with charge do even though i think that battles like more in line in terms of power level so because like charge the ability to just go face um the ability to charge directly into creatures i mean you look at something like underworld vigilante that can even just do it in the shadow lane um to me that's significantly more powerful than your average battle card is at least from the ones that we currently have Mm -hmm. I think it was just a problem with like bad battle cards, but like Skyborn's fine in Arena and all, like almost there. So I don't know, it's not really almost there, but like, in the future, battle like it's not battle's fault. <laughs> it's yeah, just right, Skyborn's right. fault. The, yeah. mecha the mechanic is great. I agree. Alright, so like the way CVH describes his feelings towards Ratway Prospector is how most people describe having their kids. <laughs> I don't know if this is just adding fuel to the fire, but like Ratway Prospector is a legitimate disappointment. And I strongly, <laughs> I, like, it, it is a card that disappointed me greatly, son. And I fully regret making premium copies. I feel like that's, like, my equivalent of child support. Like, I paid, and I just never want to see that shit again. <laughs> like, in Constructed. In Arena, it's fine. Yep. It's fine on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to live with them. And, I mean, it does. I like the premium art. So, at least you can get nostalgic and go look at it in the collection. Yep. It's better than the Geral Forager premiums that I own. We crafted those in an episode. Right? Or was it afterwards? No, that was that was on the podcast. Yeah. That was a good right, one. So here's a question that you probably... I don't even know if you guys have that strong of opinions. Toa said, Voiho, do you have any problem with ESL requesting unpaid volunteers to run their official Tesla tournaments? Someone else I'll be honest it? with you, I don't, I don't have an opinion on this. I mean... Okay. Here, here, uh, so my opinion would be, uh, I don't have a problem with it because at, at this stage in the game, if we're going to like even try to pretend that we're going to get some massive influx of competitive scene, um, that's probably just not going to happen. So if we want it, like, here's the thing, as much as we say like, hey, we want a competitive scene, like as a player base, at some point we have to be uh, kind of responsible, right? If we want to see it, then we need to be the change we want to see in the world. So... Uh, asking for volunteers, I mean, if it's something that's important to you, then go volunteer. Help make it happen. Um, that's the best advice I can give. Like, you're not you're not gonna get uh, like professionally casted stuff tomorrow, so go volunteer. Well, we have the, we have the professional casting. Ironically, that's like the one thing we do have because he's in the ESL studio. Uh, I mean, I guess it's professional in that they probably receive something for doing it, but that's as much endorsement as I'll give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that's that's a problem. Like. I, I think it's so easy after we've waited for so long, and I sent this to G-Staff a long time ago too, like, if, if you make people wait for so long, a minor problem, like, a minor problem with an expansion, like, Clockwork's a fine expansion, but we waited so long, the disappointment was huge. Everyone just raged. You waited so long for a competitive announcement, and it was, like, a little lackluster, and people just, like, they lose their minds. So, I don't think it's that big of a deal. 
I think it's a little, I mean, for lack of a better word, I think it's a little ghetto that they're you know just going out there and announcing it. Like it kind of doesn't look good if that's the official series and they're like, oh, by the way, we need help. Like it kind of like, like for example, if I were if I were like physically the embodiment of Bethesda, I would have like shipped Jim Class Hero a better microphone or something. Like just just little things that you could do to like vastly increase the quality of like casts and and yeah. like promotion and stuff. Like these just seem like obvious things like you don't have to because they're not even looking for casters looking for like admins i would just like i'd say like hey you stay after work and just like make sure this tournament doesn't become a huge dumpster fire of chaos it's only 32 people shouldn't be that hard you know or like something i don't know like like it's fine to have community involvement but we we do forget a lot of the time that we had a tournament scene that was conceived mostly funded casted advertised and played by the community for like a few months which has ended the TESL champion series you know i can't thank brad switty onia jstar and whoever else was part of that and even like a year ago siraxia and those guys who were like ran those things so like the community has been part of it at times it can feel like there's more people working for the competitive scene in the community than outside of it and that part is the, the ghetto part of it i guess like because because i was part of kaijudo and kaijudo is much the same thing where it was much of like Oh well, we were trying to do our thing, but you guys have to be part of it too. And you know, word of mouth advertisement is important, but like, I can't, I can't word of mouth advertise as well as Wizards of the Coast can actually promote. And I can't, I can't run a tournament or help admin one the way professional tournament admins can do that. You know, like yeah, at a certain point, if you want to take that next step, yeah, yeah, the Tensile Champion Series still exists, but like, it's had its, we'll call them massive speed bumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It still exists though. Like yeah. it, it still exists. And like I, I definitely thank the work you are doing now and anyone else who's as part of like the, I guess Ian Bits and like anyone who's casted, anyone who's played a part. There have been so many people who have who have played parts that uh, you know. I, I don't even I don't know ESL structure, I don't know how many people are working for them, but like would it would it technically be that hard to get someone who is on staff to just admin a tournament? I just don't know. <laughs> it's not so much the principle of it because I think we should all play our part in the game as well. It's just like the actual functionality of it—is this really necessary? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's my issue. Because <laughs> it is like the only tournament. It's not like there's like five tournaments a week and they just can't admin all of them. Right. It's just like yeah. <laughs> like there's so many ESL tournaments. Yeah. But that wasn't the first time they've asked for admins like last month too. And I guess that didn't go well because they're asking this month. So I don't. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. I mean, I will say this: uh, I've never participated in one of their tournaments, but I've also never had the desire because, and maybe that's why they're looking for admins. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way, but I feel like I should have the desire, so I feel worse because I preach about competitive scene, and then like something comes around, I'm like, yeah. Hey, I, I feel <laughs> I feel just as bad too. I feel bad every time that I can't make a tournament, but one, my schedule makes it rough. Um, and then two it's kind of the same thing with casting right like even this podcast i know that i could do a lot to improve the audio and whatever but i i stream and i cast from a very tiny like almost should be a closet in the back of my basement when my kids go to sleep i just don't have the i i would need to soundproof everything or whatever but we're gonna be house hunting mm -hmm. soon and hopefully one of the things really we, yeah one of my things on the uh, checklist is uh, a dedicated space for me going forward so that yeah might... we're doing the we're doing the same thing yeah that might change nice that sounds good i'm surprised the mic is so far away from you honestly i was always like wow it's like way above your head uh Does well that work? 
Uh, it's because this is a Blue Yeti mic, and despite even putting everything on low, it picks up absolutely everything. So this this is the subject of uh, like three months of me trying to fiddle with it to make it not absolutely horrendous, and then even then, it's pretty rough. Like, um, I, it might just be also the soundproofing in my house, but I can put this on the lowest gain setting, and I could like drop something upstairs, like five rooms over over there and my mic will pick it up so even with noise suppression filters and stuff well so right now i've got it set up so that it will uh, do a bunch of that through obs but yeah. I also the problem is is that you know as you know right now we're, I, we're going through obs but i'm also on <laughs> skype and i do other <laughs> uh you know i play other games believe it or not uh, that aren't legends and I, that use voice comms and so I had to try to configure it in a way that was good for both uh, that and this, because like I don't own a gaming headset. Like it's just this. If I had a gaming headset that I could just slap on, that'd be a different thing. But five rooms, spent... what a mansion. Well, I have two kids though, Toa. So like my five bedroom house isn't. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tesla Champion Series Toa did announce that they are going to uh, like something. They said something about like funding moving forward is going to be. Better. And that probably has something to do with Bethesda as well. It is kind of sad that like even for a limited amount of time, it came down to Patreon support only for the the Tesla Champion series. And I think they should take Patreons because they provide a service that the community needs. And if you can afford to support it, then sure. You know, it's no different from Justin's Patreon or like subbing to me or Charmer on Twitch or whatever. That's like a valid thing that, you know, it's an option out there for people to support the community and all the different services but you know it wouldn't if it wouldn't have been great to say like okay we're going to support the esl series is our like more official circuit but we're still gonna find a way to like with like no downtime just like little things like that which i guess cost money but like you know a little effort goes a long way it just it just looks like there's so much faith in in what the the tournament like because back in the day the tournaments are getting like three thousand views a piece now granted it's probably like 300 actual people watching but <laughs> the numbers were there yeah <laughs> you know yeah, I'm actually here for the drops. I'm. Uh, did I get a drop? I don't know if I. God damn it! Time to make a Reddit thread. <laughs> I know. I usually I usually get one uh, while I'm doing the show. This is my drop for the week, and I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, someone should ask if drops start. were enabled in the the Q and A. You know. I got it. I didn't know one ask. Yeah. Like literally the minute I hit going live, like ten seconds later, I got it. You stole my drops. I'm gonna see if there's some in Ian bits. I'm gonna see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got like ten streams in different tabs right now. Me no, too. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm actually watching uh, that just a lazy gamer guy. <laughs> it's well, really I'm watching Spanish. I'm watching Spanish drop. Spanish drop FIFA. guy is my go-to farm. Which, first of all, I, I don't actually farm, but if I did, it would be Spanish drop guy. Yeah. I like my things exotic. My... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Don't judge me. We all have fetishes. What? <laughs> like a paraphilia? If like you a, If you win a drop in a stream on a different language, does it announce the drop in a different language? That'd be kind of nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be legit. You get a little message. Is this a bad time to point out that both rebroadcasts are beating us in viewers? Yeah, it's a bad time. Too late. I already said it. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, alright, man. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, uh, Yum no Yum mentions, so like legit, we haven't actually done like true cryptocurrency references. Yum Yum wrenches, uh, mentions, uh, gotta get the referium farming at the same time as farming legends. I, I want to say, um, I'm aware of what referium is. 
and I am looking into it and I actually might give it a try because of what Firo uh, and I were talking about in some messages the other day. Uh, he said even if you don't give two shits about the cryptocurrency stuff, uh, their website basically is like an extra listing for the people who participate and that he was getting additional people coming to the stream as a result and I am always a fan of trying to introduce new people to the community. So I'm that might alone be enough for me to, to give it a try, whether or not you care about any of the other aspects of it, um, just because I, I like getting the word out there. I know nothing about cryptocurrency. Yeah, me either. <laughs> so, but I guess I should, this is time, time to show my Bitcoin <laughs> that Charmer sent me for an awesome Christmas gift. By the I, way, I hear that your my gifts to you finally arrived. Uh, they did, and I I was deciding what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to do like a reveal video, right? Like filming right. and opening it. Yeah. Um, but then I remembered we had the podcast tonight. Absolutely. So here, actually, I turned the address away. We don't need to see where. Uh, where people live, but this this is what Justin sent me for uh, for Christmas. In response to his Bitcoin. And here you go, gang. The Communist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> so I got some wonderful reading. <laughs> and then he was also uh, kind enough to send me uh, some awesome graphic novels as well that I will yeah. finish reading as soon as I'm done finish uh, reading Trees from Warren Ellis yes. and my buddy Jason Howard. Um, Absolutely. So he sent me a wonderful Christmas gift because he is a wonderful person. Go team. Go team. I felt so bad just sending you a copy of the Communist Manifesto that I had to get you a real gift. <laughs> Well, now, now how do you think I feel when I sent you only a Bitcoin and not a real present? Hopefully pretty shitty. <laughs> nope, I sleep like a baby. Jesus. Oh. Good times, man. Good times. <laughs> Tokyo Ghost is not a Tokyo cool ripoff. Tokyo Ghost is a dystopian story about capitalism kind of muck. I thought it fit with the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> Mm. You might say that they live in a shithole in the future. <laughs> <laughs> There's a specter haunting Tessel. First line of CVH's upcoming book about the ring. I'm not even like the, whatever. I don't even know. I think the ring is probably something I'd want, but I'm not gonna write a book about it. You know, I'd write a book about first June prophecies before I write a book about the ring, but I'm fine with those too. You yeah. got You got to the unbalance, man. Everyone always asks how I don't get tilted. Like I just. It's pretty easy. You just read the cards, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna queue up some Legends games. All of this shit can happen to me today. Like, yeah. If that's not okay with you, you gotta do something else. One, one of the really one of the things that I always try to take it to heart is that uh, it's not like things are unfairly happening just to me. Let's just say yeah. hypothetically, the ring is broken as shit, right? It's broken as shit for everybody. So we're that's all going true. through it together. We're all we're all in this together. Uh, all we can do is smile and uh, help each other out. Bear with it. That's right, man. The first of the three noble truths is that life is suffering. <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> yeah, we all go through... Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Duka? Duka? I never pronounce it right. 
Yeah, I mean, there's. I don't know how I actually pronounce it. The guy I learned meditation skills from speaks English as his only language. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, CVH. We're, we're talking Buddhism. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. I'm getting cultured here. Yeah. yeah. Um, we need we need to like rope CVH in on some of the book recommendations and just general yeah. stuff. I have a feeling that he would laugh at a lot of my <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. Ray Ray asks where we see uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends in six months. Um, I have no idea. The last, if if you go back six months before now, and then go back six months before then, there's just so many wild differences in like perceived community happiness and meta and like all kinds of shit changes. You know, six months is a long time. Yeah, honestly, it's impossible to predict. <clears throat> Six months from now, assuming our country is still here, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, we'll have uh, one new content, you know, one new set of cards out, and we'll be hyped up for another one coming out in a little bit. Um, I expect some kind of announcement about actual tournaments, since we'll be halfway into the year to have happened. I think that um, I'll still be playing the game and having fun and doing the podcast, and life goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, six months from now, I'd like to say that I'm getting prepared for QuakeCon, which is likely the following month, because six months oh, from yeah. now is July, so that would be in August. Kappa. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. But, Wait, what? But, like, listen, <laughs> we, we know we know that they do their planning well ahead of time. Like, when this game was in closed beta, they, like, had already data mined the fact that we were going to get the Skyrim expansion, and then we didn't get that for a long time. Um, yeah. I would be shocked if they didn't already have, like, one or two content uh, pieces ready for us to go uh, with just, like, minor stuff. Like, I'll, I'll call it, like, in the can. Now, that doesn't mean that they're probably not doing, like, QA on it, right? But I would say that they probably have, like, uh, the next expansion and the half, like, most mostly done at this point. Um, so I don't think the game's going to be dead. It'll still be there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not going to be dead. Like, like, there's no there's no way it's just straight up gone. Yeah, like, the, yeah. Work, the work is... People throw around the term dead a lot. Yeah, the work is done. Like, it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I do I think we're going to double in size? No. Uh, do I think we'll shrink, uh, you know, by 50%? Probably not. Um, That'd be insane. I, I know personally that... Like, someone mentioned streamers, too. Like, first and foremost, like, it doesn't matter. Like, streamers don't matter. Like, I know that sounds shitty, because, like, me and Charmer and even Justin is now getting in on the Twitch community. But like, even YouTubers, like, streamers and YouTubers, they're they're good. They're influencers, and I think it's really bad that a lot of them have quit. And, you know, I think every effort should be made to make them happy. But in reality, it doesn't really actually show how well the game is doing just by the stream numbers, right? Like, Gwen's been beating us in players for a long time, but... <laughs> we were beating them in viewership. No, but we were beating them in viewership for a long time, right? Like if you looked yeah. at Twitch, it would look like Legends was huge. Like so, streamer, like it kind of matters. It's good to have them, but it doesn't actually matter if if I'm streaming every single day. Like it's it's good, it's preferable, but it's not required. I can tell you that if my personal trends, like monetarily, go from like just the last six months to now, if they exactly follow suit, the next six months. I will not be streaming this game full time in six months. I will not be able to afford to. My paychecks now are like uh, I took like a thirty three percent hit in revenue, and I took a seventy five percent hit in views. I just like if that happens again, I'm I'm just gone. Like at that point, it's, I just can't do it. 
but I, I doubt that'll happen. I doubt it would have yeah. happened last four months. It was really shitty. Uh, if it gets much worse, that'd be that'd be a bad thing. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. But uh, I'm here for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think people also need to understand that it's just like you said. Like sometimes streamers leave for reasons that have nothing to do with the game. You are making a living from it. That directly impacts yeah. whether or not you're going to stick around. You might still play yeah, Legends not, I, afterwards. I would, yeah, I would, I would never, I would never stop playing Legends entirely. Don't get me wrong. Like I actually yeah. love the gameplay. I wouldn't have even tried to make a living off of it if I didn't love the gameplay, right? There's no way I would get this. Like I didn't get into this for the money. Like fifth, what is it? Eight months before I was even like getting more than a couple hundred a month. Like it's, it's just a stupid yeah. thing. But like obviously it's the gameplay. But yeah, you like I spend forty-five to fifty hours a week, and like every bit of spare time is like browsing Reddit, talking to people, looking at decklists, thinking about this, thinking about that, editing videos. I edit videos at one a.m. Sometimes I check my stream. I was like doing computer shit. I bought a whole extra laptop. Like it literally has been every single bit of free time outside of music, eating, sleeping, and shitting for like eighteen months. At that point, I can't afford to do that <laughs> if right. the numbers continue getting worse, which they have decidedly done for four months personally. But that does not mean the game's numbers have gotten worse for four months. You know, it's totally different. Maybe the game's numbers are up. I don't know. I honestly have, I don't know how you would tell that. Like Steam is slightly down, but mobile's probably way up. Probably. Mobile's yeah. pretty popular. Mobile's probably up there. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, like, I'm in the same boat you are, right? Like, I clearly didn't start playing this game because I wanted to make money, and I have my multiple jobs and multiple passions outside this game, but I, I'm also not ashamed to admit that, um, like, I'm in this catch-22, in that if if the game ever took off and I started being able to justify it, I would consider, like, quitting one of my jobs to spend yeah. more time on it. I mean, I, I will say this wholeheartedly, like not just because he's on the show or whatever, but like, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate what CVH does because as somebody who tries to do something similar, but also like around my jobs, like I average like four hours of sleep a night. Um, just trying to, try, trying to, <laughs> trying to make like one third of the content that CVH does. So like, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys think that he's not putting in work outside of the stream, all the stuff that, he, I mean, it's like he said, like he has Bucky make his thumbnails, but all the stuff that goes into thumbnails and editing and planning and like yeah yeah a lot of the big youtubers you watch like strife crow and firebat they hire editors i don't i don't have the money yeah. for that so i like every single transition in every single like 50 minute video is all me yeah <laughs> oh, man. You, you gotta you gotta yeah. start sleeping with your editor it, <laughs> it yeah. pays off yeah i, I bet <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish heard, i heard kibler does that too and Kriparian. that's a good plan justin it is yeah. <laughs> i wish my wife knew how to edit maybe i'll uh but, like here's the classes thing. or something like, because I, I got kind of lucky, right? Because I just happened to be in a point in my life where I could spend an un, literally an unreasonable amount of time making content for literal pennies, and then it turned into something better. But, like, let's take Justin, great content creator, does a lot of, like, cool initiative stuff like this podcast we're even on right now. He saw a tremendous amount of growth, right? You saw a tremendous amount of growth when, like, the whole, you know, when, when everyone was seeing a tremendous amount of growth. Imagine yeah. if that continued at exactly the same rate for the last five months instead of what it had done for the past five months. Imagine if they had capitalized on that hype and everyone like Charmer, heck, it, maybe you would be at the point right now where you'd be like, 
okay, yeah. I'm making like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month on Legends. I'm going to quit one of my jobs and I'm going to like really put more time into it and see where it goes. And you would be doing that, and Brad would be doing that, and Matt Oblivion would be doing that, and Justin would be doing that. And then you don't just have content creators, you have what Gwen has, which is actual influencers. You search for the game and you see, you don't just see a couple CVH videos and a couple Justin videos and like a fucking rebroadcast stream. You see like a ton <laughs> of content. It's like literally yeah. just this diverse culture. It's and it's good. Logway and Merchant <laughs> and Swims and like I know exactly yeah. what you mean. You know, Ash Cosplay. They've got they've got their yes. their whole like thing. Like they're going. good content creators. They're not like objectively on this other level from Justin and Charmer. They're just like they played a game that continued to grow in the right. medium they were presenting, and they were like, okay, now I can dedicate more time to it. Because most people don't just do that first, <laughs> and when you do, it doesn't always work out. You know, sure. it'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty. That's cool. A, that's a re- that was a really good uh, a really good uh, I, you know speech there. I appreciate that. Thanks, Justin. And, I, and, I, and I I'm sorry about I got a little bit heated about the rebroadcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was hysterical. I was trying not to laugh over you because <laughs> yeah. like I love I, I love uh, slamming those guys, frankly. But um, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I think they're fine people. It just looks not great. <laughs> like I'll I'll throw this out here too. Um, it's not like there's any shortage of content to create. I have a, a list. Again, I, I know that I'm the mutant, not the herd when it comes to my schedule. But, like, I have a list, a ridiculous list of shit that I want to make that is, like, Legends related. Whether it's yeah. deck spotlights or what I call, like, theme crafting stuff, which would be non-competitive decks, but they're at least cheeky and fun for people on casual. To meme videos, uh, I still really want to make my, like, parody drop farmer thing. Um, yes. like I have this huge list of stuff that I just, I don't have the time to devote to it because at the end of the day, like I got to feed my family. And so if we'd seen growth and I could have like considered like, okay, maybe I just don't teach at night or something. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching, but yeah, I love making like content for this too. And if I, if I could, if we had a competitive scene and I could actually transition to taking my professorial skills from that and, and going here, then I could theoretically still be teaching. It would just be to a different audience, but um like legends has content to be made we just have to have a reason mm-hmm. to do it yeah and like again competition like i think uh Italian community college that guy did a fantastic video on like the worth of the pro tour for the average player because not like the financial worth because the average player doesn't really ever get to the pro tour obviously but like the, the things it does for the community and like how the massive amount of content without like imagine going to any magic website, YouTube video or stream without the Grand Prix or the Pro Tour existing, you know, the content creators wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't have, they would have less things to talk about. It'd be crazy. Also, what do we think about the game's penetration outside of EU and NA? No, seriously. <laughs> the way you fucking said that, dude. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, like, looking at my viewership numbers on YouTube, which by country is, I guess, the best way for me to answer that question. Um... Most of the viewers come from North America and Europe, but like I do have a significant amount of viewers in South America, Central America. I mean, I, I know Central America, North America, but South America and Asia. Like I, I mean, it's pretty well dispersed. Yeah, I've seen some people from like South Africa and like places I wouldn't have expected. I don't really know what's ever going on in Asian countries. Like I don't know, is this? I don't think this game is available in China due to some like crazy internet wall. Uh, it's, yeah, it has great, something to do with the App Store or something, but. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty big player base to pull from, but I think by now, like if if this game isn't out in a certain country, like I hate to say the ship has sailed, but like the ship has kind of sailed for yeah. like oh all of a sudden, but like that's okay, right? It doesn't need to be. 
Yeah. I mean, looking looking at my numbers, uh, Russia is my fifth most viewed from country. Brazil is my mm-hmm. eighth, and then um, going down. Do 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 do. do. Yeah. Argentina is my twenty fifth. So yeah, I mean, like have, the, yeah, the views like are all Hispanic, over the place. Russian, oh yeah, I think it's yeah, obviously NA, which is where the game is created, and then like you know, Europe is probably going to be for like a number of reasons that the two biggest. I mean, yeah. that's, that's where the only sponsored tournament scene is, right? It's the European ESL. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, technically. <laughs> well, they're, they're like, base of operations is, yeah. Uh, they got, you can call me Al. He's kind of close in, in England or whatever. Yeah, make any and that's And that's again. a good thing for casting, because they have good accents over there. Solid. That's true. It's, yeah, I mean, they sound way better than I do. Mm-hmm. I was watching Planet Earth, and whew. <laughs> the sloth. This, I, I now pronounce sloth sloth, by the way, just because of uh, how cool it sounds. That's fair. I mean, <laughs> I, can, I, I, can I have words that, that I do that with. Like, instead of saying fajita, I only say fajita, mostly because it's uh, really puzzling in uh, drive throughs <laughs> Justin's face. <laughs> what? You don't, you, you don't like a good sloppy wet fajita, Justin? Uh, rather come on, dude. <laughs> You know, my deputy director is a fan of this game at work, and he uh, has announced he's going to start watching the podcast. <laughs> look, look, I love how you're embarrassed by me. Like, CBH slides in the penetration joke, and he gets I, all the love. I make one vagina joke. joke. I was literally reading the chat. It's chat's fault. It's always chat's fault. It's always chat's fault, right? Like, yeah. I say one vagina, and suddenly I'm the bad guy. I don't know, man. Something about the way you pronounce vagina yeah, is well, just really I, disconcerting. Listen, listen. you have to understand comedic delivery. If I'm trying to make a sleazy joke, you have to deliver it sleazy. I can't sound like innocent. Honestly, that's just how you talk. Like, anything kind of sounds like a euphemism when Charmer says it. Well, yeah. when you're married for yeah. as long as I've been, everything becomes a euphemism. <laughs> I know. You do sound super sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, that too. I want you to put your beef in a vagina. Just said there was a dream. Just grab him by the vagina. <laughs> Somebody just said Charmer sounds too too cultured. I hope yeah. that I am not your definition of cultured. Oh man, that's no one has ever accused I, me of that. Yeah, I've got, I've, I like to consider. I would like to consider myself pretty open-minded and laid back. I'll give you that, but I'm yeah. so well spoken. I'm a, a delinquent at heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Justin gets my DMs that I slide into. So, yeah. uh, any last-minute <laughs> questions before we get end your questions the... in now? We'll never be back. Well, they'll be back. Fuck, dude, that's not a good review of your experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> Shh, we need to get them to type their questions. We're C- trying to motivate. CBA shows up. Well, well, they'll be back. <laughs> That's. I mean, at least he came, which is more than we could say for Maricon. That's true. That's no, true. No, Maricon was in the chat. Oh wait. No, no, no. no. I, every every time, like literally every time, Maricon shows up anywhere, I'm like, hey, you want to do the podcast? And then he never talks again. Like he'll disappear from chat. It's like a running joke at this point. He they don't do let a, him say anything about the game. That's true. He does do a good yeah. job of showing up though, and and like you yeah. know, he was in the tournament uh, mm-hmm. uh, chat last night, which was cool. Yeah, well, and he's done, like, co-casting for the championship series. Like, I, I just like giving him a hard time because I really like Paul. Like, he's right. only ever been nice. He's very knowledgeable. As, I mean, as you would expect about the game, but, like, he's he's just right. a blast to talk to. I agree. It, it, he's a really cool dude. If there was a Legends anime, which role would each of you play? 
Uh, oh my god. I don't know. I don't I, know how to answer that. What are you talking about, like, characters from the game? I don't, I've never watched anime. I've, I've watched Naruto. If it's an anime, I am the senpai, and if it is a hentai, I am the tentacle monster. Okay. Um, Took a dramatic turn for the worse. Hi, yeah. Justin's work! <laughs> right. Dude, <laughs> believe, I don't it, know. believe it or not, like, I teach college courses. I'm training the future workplace. Um, Supervillain? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'd be I'm like, like the, the anti-hero. I, I'd be like that guy that's like pretty cool, and you, I don't know, you kind of want to root for him, but then he does something super dickish, but he's still, you know, pretty cool, so you're like, eh, maybe redeem yeah. himself. It's kind of helping out. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, is there a cat? <laughs> Can I be a cat? Uh, my glasses aren't blazingly plate blazingly bright even it's very late here they're reflecting the harmful blue light from my screen so i can stare at the screen for this many hours a day yep that's the whole whole story there you'd be in kano i guess i don't really know the lore oh well I'd somebody asked uh what the like favorite characters were from elder scrolls i, I think that's where the Encano thing comes from so that's the next question oh. oh my favorite elder scrolls character is uh mike damn it i know i yeah. fucking got you before you could say it <laughs> yeah Buff Khajiit, whoever that guy is. Yeah. yeah. If they ever make a Maik the Liar <laughs> card, uh, they they need to let Justin and I reveal it, and we'll both dress up like Maik and pretend that we're the real Maik because we're both yeah. liars. Yes. Like, and then we'll reveal cards, and neither one of them will be the correct card. <laughs> we got to get super meta with it. They're obviously not going to give us that card to reveal now. <laughs> Uh, Skrillexy asked a really long question. You guys can read it. It's too much. But you guys can read it. But I'm gonna try to answer it. Like, I think everyone recognizes how much the game can grow. But, like, look at it from... Alright, pretend pretend you are literally the per the one person in charge of this game. You say to yourself, huh, Hearthstone's making a lot of money. Huh, our Elder Scrolls games are making a lot of money. You know what I think would probably make some money? Is if we combined the two concepts. And formed an Elder Scrolls card game. So, like, at the end of the day, it's about the bottom line, right? Like, this game can grow, but they are they are legitimately trying to get people who like other card games into their universe of Elder Scrolls, and they are trying to get people who like the Elder Scrolls to spend more money on their games in the form of digital cards. So, like, that is, that is the actual goal, you, know, you guys didn't know. Let me, like, the gameplay is important, too. Let me posit a hypothetical question that I, yeah. I don't know why, but it's just occurred to me. What if... Elder Scrolls Legends was never meant to be truly successful in the way we think it is, and the reason that it doesn't get marketing is because it is the marketing for the next Elder Scrolls game. You mean what you've if, never thought? I've thought about that. What? I'm like, ashamed to admit it, but like, like legitimately, because we're now getting stuff like Mechanar and some of these other characters popping up that have not appeared in other games, right? Like, what if this is some long uh, AR marketing campaign for? Elder Scrolls 6 that they just put in. But like, like, that's the thing, right? Like, some of the best ideas and things that succeed come across as mistakes, right? You think Hearthstone was meant to be this huge spectacle? It just sort of happened, right? Duel Masters was made to get kids into magic. It was a gateway drug for, like, it's like magic that eight-year-olds can understand because the only market that Wizards of the Coast hadn't conquered were people too young to enjoy magic. So you get them <laughs> in with Duel Masters with, like, a cute little cartoon and it's, like, a very simple gameplay version of it worked on me. And the idea was that you'd get into magic. And when Duel Masters died, a lot of people got into magic. 
You know, it's just yeah. so like maybe this this could be like, hey, Elder Scrolls fans, we would we would appreciate if you'd like another one of our game. You know, just for because we make great games and we also like money. And also, <laughs> if you don't like Elder Scrolls but you like this giant thing called Hearthstone or this other giant thing called Magic, have we got a game for you? The gameplay is better. It's made by Direwolf. They're pretty awesome. Please spend your money here. And that's totally fine. You know, I want them to want to make money because if they make money, the game lives. It's a good plan. Now, whether or not they always want it to, because like that could be done two ways. It could become a huge thing or it could just be like this constant small, not really spending a lot of money on it, but it's always making money, which is good. So it always stays alive. Those could both be a thing. Or one or the other. Either way is okay. Game lives either way. Game is actually at a bigger risk if they spend a lot of money on it because then it might return the might not return the investment, right? So I mean, I really don't know. I'm not a business major. I have a lot of friends who spend a lot more on college than I did who would be better equipped to answer that. Yeah. I like it when CBH is really excited. I'm always <laughs> excited. I'm just really lazy. I don't always express it. I hear you, man. I'm a super low energy guy. Well, Justin's <laughs> low energy because his bedtime was like an hour ago because he's not a night owl like me. That is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, Tessel in the next Elder Scrolls game. Now, that would be sick. I don't think that's going to happen just because, I don't know, I've got a feeling that doesn't happen, but that would be kind of cool. I kind of would it would enjoy it's VR kind of, Tessel. It's kind of a, well, I think Beaky did that one. Yeah, I was about I to say, I, Beaky put on a VR helmet and somehow managed to play a game. It looked ridiculous. It gave me a headache. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I had trouble watching it, actually. Yeah, but good for him. Uh, yeah. I, I always appreciated the stuff he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think Legend is kind of a complex game in this in the sense of like putting it inside another game. Like whatever Gwent was in, like The Witcher was probably super simple. Yeah, the, the original version the... of Gwent versus like their finished product are night and day. The version yeah, and even the... the finished product is simple. I loved the version yeah. in, in The Witcher. I thought it was great. I, it was my favorite part of The Witcher. But I cannot. I just do not like playing the other version. Like at that point, like you're you're literally if you're putting it in a different game, you are literally getting people with zero card game experience ever. People who probably don't know Magic: The Gathering ever was more than like that weird thing the the D and D folks did or whatever. You know, you just you got to make it really simpler. It's gonna be that side thing that is just distracting from the actual game. That'd be hard to do, hard to accomplish. Yeah. Because the game was built for, like, the game was honestly built for really intriguing play. You know, this is not a very, this is not Go Fish, you know? It's, it's yeah. not, it's not necessarily magic, okay? But it's, it's literally Hearthstone's core with added depth, which is sick, you know? I was like, wow, it's Hearthstone with depth. Right. Oh, yeah, the card design is good and it's interesting. Let's go. I remember when I was, when I was in the closed beta, like, I kept playing hearthstone for a while too and uh it only it only took like a month of playing legends like even in it's like super unpolished state back then before i was just like i can no longer play hearthstone without just like hating myself <laughs> yeah it, it took me about a month like yeah. legitimately i got to the point where i wasn't even logging in to get my like daily rewards anymore and i was like wow i yeah that's, that's how i knew i was kind of stuck with legends at that point in a good yeah. way i mean right like i it, it was one of those, like, I was thinking about decks in my free time, and I was doing a bunch of stuff, and I'm still that way. Like, I I love the game. I don't think about decks anymore, but, like, the other day, I will say, like, like two or three days ago, I was at work, and I was, like, <laughs> I was thinking about, like, 
things I've never done in the game before. And like when I realized I'd never played Barter, I was like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta fucking give somebody an Iron Age knock. <laughs> everyone, everyone relegates Barter is only to a meme, but I did win a tournament game with Barter before. It's a what real had, thing. What'd you do? I, I was using College of Winterhold and my scumbag control mage, and uh, I got a barter off of it because the other cards were like lockpick and something really bad, like lockpick and grand ball. And then I bartered like some shit in my hand, and I stole my opponent's Odiving, and they conceded immediately. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't know why that actually did it, but uh, one of like the most fun uh, games I've ever had playing this game involves barter, but I was not the one who played it. It was uh, it's on my YouTube channel actually. It's me versus Turquoise Link. Turquoise oh, Link God. was playing Barter Archer, where he was purposefully running Barter and then a bunch of stuff that made like contracts to try to give you a contract and steal a card. And I was playing Control Assassin, and this was like right after Heroes of Skyrim had launched. Uh, because again, just like when Black Hand Messenger, uh, like I, I want to make Control Assassin work, I keep going back to it. Um, but at the time, like, I was playing what was considered a very, like, weird deck. Nobody was playing Control Assassin. He was playing a very weird deck, and it was one of the most fun games I've ever had. Uh, he bartered an Ice Storm away from me to wipe my board. He bartered something else away from me. Like, it was just shenanigans. Nice. I found a really good positive uplifting question. I'm not being sarcastic, it just always sounds like it. Was there a specific moment for any of you where you fell in love with the game? It was a good answer. I think I know mine, if you guys need to think about it. For me, it was before I even played it. Honestly, it was like... Uh, I heard about it because Bucky played a lot of Elder Scrolls games, and I guess he heard about it. Like, oh, there's a... There's, he basically put it as like, oh, there's like a Hearthstone... It's like an Elder Scrolls version of Hearthstone coming out. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm in the middle of hating whatever I'm doing right now in Hearthstone, so let's check it out. And like, I, I just read the... Uh, synopsis on the main site like the the classes and the card design i saw like a couple sample cards like i guess Derek cutpurse or whatever they had as a sample and i was like okay i'm liking all this you know I, I saw the prophecy mechanic and its relation to dual masters and kaijuda which i loved how the core of it came from hearthstone which to be fair you know i did love the game and i still do enjoy it here and there i just think legends is better gameplay but i was like okay i like this this is like a good fusion game and like i legitimately had between the lanes bought and paid for a setup with the tier list on it like I had the arena tier list on the site before I had ever gotten to log into the game because I had never got a closed beta key. But like, I was just ready to go. I was like, all right, I'll build the website. I'll do daily content for this. Sure, sounds fun, <laughs> basically. So I guess it was before I even played the game, which is kind of weird. It was the summer. It was very exciting. Summer 2016. I remember like July before I could even play, talking about it to like friends and stuff. Like, can't wait to do all this stuff with the game. It's a long time ago. What do you guys think? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. So, the, like, I feel like the first time I really realized how much I enjoyed the game, and I posted about this on Reddit not so long ago, was I got into the closed beta and in, like, May of 2016, and then dicked around with it, like, I was really busy. And then I had, like, the, that was, like, I got in, like, a Friday or, or something like that. And then the next, the, the following weekend, Sandra and I were going up to uh, Leadville, which is, uh, city in the mountain a town in the mountains out here and she brought her laptop and i played out there because we were just relaxing in the mountains and something about the music like just really got to me and i felt like this is really like it, it was like i felt like i was getting in on the ground floor like it was an opportunity because i was experienced like, i was i was having all these like kind of nerdy experiences that, like i should have had as a kid and i never had and like i i felt like i was i was getting to do that thing you know like i'd, I'd earned it like i had I'd accomplished a lot 
in uh in in my life uh after i got out of prison and like this was my chance to get in like at the beginning of like magic or hearthstone or something that i just missed out on and uh i just felt like this was for me when i heard that music when i logged in that's good uh for me it was the first time that i played against action assassin um, you know, I wow. up, when I picked up the game and closed beta, um, I was like a lot of people had a pretty limited collection because I was kind of just running through things. I uh, was playing against a lot of archers. I was playing a lot of tokens myself, and that was a thing. And within the first month or so, I, I queued into somebody that was playing Action Assassin, and they they killed me. Uh, they did it within, <laughs> within a very like impressive series of uh, actions and plays and cards. And it was that moment when I realized that it wasn't Hearthstone. Because I said, like, oh, wait, like that was a combo deck. Wait, combo decks exist? Let me go, like, that was that was what drove me to look up, like, oh, are there places where deck lists are posted? Because up until that point, I was just kind of doing it casually, right? But specifically, the, when I ran into that Assassin deck, I went, oh, okay. Now I want to see what else is out there. And that took me down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out all of the, the interesting interactions and things um, that just, I don't, I, I, like, I remember the, the, the feeling, because up until that point, I, like, I just felt like I was playing Hearthstone uh, with two lanes, right? And I, we know now that that is a very unfair comparison that is often made. Um, but that was like the moment for me was like somebody just went off and I was like, oh, wait, combos are a thing. So, absolutely. Uh, totally. Yeah. Hearthstone had combo decks too uh, in Rogue. Uh, I mean, you're correct. Like Miracle Rogue was certainly a thing, but um, I never really enjoyed those the way I enjoyed certain other combo decks. Like when I played Magic the Gathering competitively, uh, I I almost always was combo first if it was viable in whatever format it is. I know I've said that uh, a lot before. I loved playing like Dragonstorm. I loved playing like uh, Deathcloud Kakusho decks. I love I love a bunch of like like really weird stuff. So um, anytime I see that combo can be viable, uh, I get excited. And though Hearthstone has had combo be a thing, it's not. Like I would, I would say that this this game still supports combo archetypes more than Hearthstone ever did, just because of the presence of like Leafwater Blessing and the presence of Whisperator and, uh, you know, Ring Dawnstar interactions and I don't know. It's just it for me. I think that's a good question to uh, wrap up the show with tonight. Because I mean, like I I I I was just really thinking about that weekend again, playing playing the game in the mountains and. Uh, it makes me really happy and hopeful for the next year. I'm excited. I'm excited to partake in the, this, you know, in the podcast, in content creation, in tournaments if they happen, and just being present with uh, everybody who's joined us in chat and enjoys the work that we do. So thank you all for making 2017 so great. I'm looking forward to going through 2018 with you as well. Absolutely. And thank you guys for having me on. It's been a great time. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime, man. Make it. Well, I'll just be on every single time then. <laughs> I mean, sweet. Hey, don't tell Charmer this. We should just get rid of him. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know that I'm the one sandbagging it. <laughs> Please, I there there are always these like twenty to thirty minute <laughs> gaps in the show where I just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because you're tired. 
And there it is. <laughs> Embarrassingly enough, I would not know how to set this up technically with the webcams and everything. So I'm glad you're here, Charmer, if not just for the tech support. <laughs> yeah. I can teach you how to do it and then I'll be obsolete. Uh, we'll just get machines to do it. We'll get machines to actually fill in for what I would say anyway. It'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> Alright, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, normally this is where uh, Justin says, like, see you on the ladder or something, right? Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> see you guys in a layoff. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys in some other shithole. <laughs>